Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Streaming live on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel, here's Nick and Matt. What's up, everybody? Episode 7-0. That's right. We've made it to 70, the big 70, if that's a thing. But 70, Nick. It's been, it's been a long time coming, 70. How do you feel? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think if we take 70 weeks of them, we average, what, about two hours per episode? I mean, that's a lot of hours about talking disc golf and, you know, getting into fun arguments and having on a ton of great guests. So for 70 episodes, it has been a blast. 70 episodes of Matt Graham interrupting Nick Carl. Yes, that's how it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some people are like, how? That's the realest thing Matt's ever said. <laughs> So, Nick, I just got to get this out of there, out there. Mm -hmm. If I am really scatterbrained more than usual, it's because I just found out the well pump to my house. Coming to my house, like, I don't know, a couple feet outside of it, maximum, has been pumping water all day to a broken line right outside of my foundation. So since 11 a.m. till now, so eight hours, it's been pumping water there. So, um yeah, it's my right where I'm sitting, like the carpet's like it's kind of wet. A little slushy. Yeah. yeah. So no, that sucks. Dedication yeah. is what this is, or or foolishness. Exactly. But we'll know. we'll consider it a little bit of both. You know, we'll see how the end of the night rolls in. I could be out there digging right now <laughs> with light. Take my studio lights outside, <laughs> point them at the Is there spot. a bunch of snow? No snow. And it's in the forties oh, today, which is nice. Right. And it's supposed to not nice. freeze tonight, so Tomorrow is a personal day. I love taking personal days to go dig holes. So, mm-hmm. hey, you do it all I the used time. To take, I used, yeah, I was gonna say I used to take work days and go blow up and create holes, and sometimes dig them out with excavators, but uh, not so much anymore. It's kind of nice. <laughs> oh, Nick, I was just thinking, can we get some dynamite over here, please? No, I'm kidding. My house would go up with that one. So we we can we could do it. I mean, I've I've shot pretty close to foundations before, but it's never uh. It's, it's not fun. Yeah. So hopefully the best case scenario here is that I'm able to dig a hole. Who knows how many feet deep I'm thinking I'm looking actually, if people can see like behind me, it's somewhere in this range of the foundation um, where this is going to be. I think I probably got to dig three or four feet deep. So it's not crazy. Hopefully I find a pipe that's cracked and I can just repair mm-hmm. it. It's not a well pump issue or a pressure tank, all that. I'm pretty sure. Cause I saw water gushing outside the house. So, I mean, there's a broken pipe somewhere. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some issue going on. <laughs> it's not normal. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's that. Uh, before we get into all of our talks, um, let's go ahead and jump right into thanking those who are supporting our show. Everybody, the holidays came early. Ho, 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 gentlemen. The holidays came early here at Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. Manscaped just launched... We talked about this earlier, the new products, including their all new ultra premium body wash. I love it. I know you do, Nick. Same. And, and yep. Evan says it Just smells it manly today. or I don't remember. But, uh, let me get through this. The body wash and a two in one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift of a beautiful skin, hair and balls this holiday season. Like as in like holiday balls, you know, like um. I think they go on Christmas trees usually. Like, ornaments. Oh, ornaments. Yeah. That's what they're called. Go to manscaped.com and use code Nick and Matt. Get 20% off plus free shipping. I don't know. I would imagine it's not too late. Go over there, manscaped.com. If you need a last minute gift, it's valued well. 
You get the 20% off. You support the show. It's the season of giving. Nick, you still using the products? Have you used all the shampoo in like four showers worth? I mean, it's a big bottle, but maybe use a lot. No, so I, it's, it's funny enough. I actually, so I've been using the body wash a ton, but I recently, I had actually picked up some different shampoo and conditioner. So I'm using that first and I'm savoring my Manscaped stuff to, you know, use that when I run out of my other stuff. But I do consistently use the body wash just about every single day when I shower and uh, all the rest of the tools come in handy whenever I need them. Yeah, for those driving around listening or at work listening, I was just showing the cologne. I was showing the body wash, the shampoo conditioner. And I even had, listen, <laughs> I even had the uh, trimmer, the lawnmower 4.0 with the little LED light. I was shining at the screen. Great products. Nick and Matt, 20% off. All right, Nick, here we go. Let's, let's, let's talk about something uh, before we get into some of our hot takes and things that you know are going to yeah. light us up. I know Evan's chomping at the bit. By the way, Evan's here, everybody. Yeah, say hi to Evan. How's it going, hey. everyone? So he's in studio with me. Nick's back in Virginia. So I had a, I'll say a fan of the show, and I got to pull it up here, Parked Pro. And this is not to take away from Statmando. This guy said, in fact, he said, uh, I'm pretty sure Evan could have done this in minutes. And that's what he sent me. But nice. here's, yeah. So there you go. Statmando with kudos. And just to talk about it, he broke down, he went and researched um, PDGA memberships because we're getting close. And, and before I get into it, Evan, is there a quick way? Is there a quick way to find out how many members the PDGA has? Do you guys have something? Like active members? No, like or, how many numbers? Yeah, so easiest way to do it um, is you go to uh, pdga.com slash player slash whatever the number is. Uh, pretty much your player page retype in the number to whatever the highest number you think it is and just kind of the how <laughs> really? fast you get to it there's different there's different okay. ways to search it um okay. but pretty much you look up okay you know that uh, uh 190,000 exists so then you maybe try like 190,500 oh, it's that game of that one like, exists yeah. yeah and so i mean there's different search uh searching kind of notations okay so well, who knows right now? I'm not going to do that game unless someone wants to do it right now in the live chat. Let us know what the highest number is you find. But it looks to me like uh, I'm up to or based off of what I was sent, 191,373. It might be different than that probably is. But here's the what he culminated together just to give you an idea of how these play out for countries. The U.S. 165,209 numbers is how I'm going to put it. Okay, at one point members 165,000 active, 85,000. Now, here's a number for you. Female active, 6,000 in the U.S. That's actually really, I mean, I, that's really low. It's growing. Yeah, that actually, that, that kind of surprises me. 6,000, yeah, 6,090, yeah. Nick, active FPL. Yeah, definitely. It surprised me just a little bit, but at the same time, I do know the, the sport is continuously growing. That number, I'm sure, is going to grow at a slightly consistent pace. Um, but I definitely, I figured it'd be about the 10,000 mark. Yeah, so 79,000. Yeah, never mind. I'm getting off track here. But 85,000 active. Yeah, 79,000 approximately are men or MPO or not MPO, but yeah. They don't differentiate that, actually. When you come to think of it, the PDGA doesn't separate men and women. Well, yeah, it does. But like they don't. There's no division that's. Well, no, there are. I'm, I'm really rambling now. Like MPO is not a men's division. Is there an actual no. men's division for any division? I don't. What about youth? Is that still mixed? Youth is still mixed. Okay. Yeah. That would be the only possibility I could think of. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think everything else, I mean, a well, female no, it's could actually, play it's in not any. Mixed. Oh, yeah, it is mixed. 
but it just it's so ingrained in us that it's not but okay yeah because it is for people who don't know the mpo does not stand for male pro open like fpo stands for female pro open it stands for mixed pro open so female players can play in the mixed pro open division but they can also play in ma1 ma2 ma3 you know and so on and so forth um, why, why do they got to so, do yeah. it like that to us? They go, FPO, ha, 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 it's female. <laughs> Let's go in. Yeah. Well, well, so, you know, obviously, if you're, you know, genuinely looking for an answer in a sense, um, the majority of times if you go to a tournament, there is more males in it and then yeah. females. And so in certain divisions, I've seen very talented amateur females play in talented am fields for the mixed, pro, or mixed side. And uh, they've done well. I've, yeah, I know Paige and Juliana have both played in MPO tournaments. Could we call it NFPO? How about that? NFPO, not female. <laughs> okay, let me get on with yeah. this. We we stalled a little bit here. Finland has seven thousand five hundred fourteen. So there's more members in Finland than there are FPO players in the United States. That's good. I would have. Exp- oh, this would have been a fun stat or fiction. Um, I'm just thinking of stat or fiction, Evan. Yeah. Okay, Canada has nick take a stab at it how many pdga members finland has seven thousand. how many does canada have um members all-time numbers not even active uh all time let's say 4946 whoa so you're just about five thousand, is what you're saying yeah five thousand three hundred sixty four mm-hmm. does that surprise you at all evan five thousand three hundred sixty four members all time 2000 less than finland like canada i don't know yeah i mean i think i would put my guess would be usa finland and then i'd even be surprised that canada's above sweden maybe i don't know <clears throat> well you're seeing the list now here it is sweden um oh wait what number am i reading here yeah members okay there's a population number here that's interesting population 10 million 99,000 of sweden and 5000 of them were members or at some point um active let's look at active let's start going to active here um active sweden 3806 uh norway always talking about norway right nick mm-hmm. so there's 5,421,000 people that they know of <laughs> in norway uh, members all time numbers that were issued to norway 2,924. That's a sharp decline. Kind of Finland, Canada, and Sweden all kind of close, and then almost drops 50% to get to Norway. But what's interesting, I agree, that is interesting. What else I just recognized, there's active. Okay, so the the total numbers ever issued was 2,924. Active is 2,213. Large percentage active, 75% of their ever numbers. Well, yeah, if you look a couple of rows lower, they did percent active, and Sweden actually has a higher percent active being 76.12. Yeah, Stat Mando in the house seeing the things I'm not. Yeah, reading numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, there's so many numbers. It's only numbers on a spreadsheet. Yeah. Okay. um, Yeah, they actually, so they're the highest. uh, Let's see. They're the highest of active. Really close is Denmark, which, look at that number. I'm just going to jump over to Denmark. 1,250 members all time, 944 active. Um, so the other ones, so these are the only ones there are. Denmark, France. How do you say that? Czech, Czech, Czechia? Uh, so that's Czech Republic, but probably their native <laughs> way of saying it. Okay. 
native way. I was going to say that sounds. Or, actually, I think their government changed recently. Yeah. And I think there's actually a. Czechia. But that would be what Czech Republic was. Or Maybe Czechia. they merged. I don't know. Estonia. And yeah, Germany, Norway, Sweden, Canada, Finland, U.S. So those are the countries that have members and some of their numbers there. Thank you to Parked Pro. We do not share everything we're sent, but I thought that was at least worth talking about. The numbers, a, are, yeah. the numbers are getting up. That's a good one. All right. Um, my head's still thinking about the water that was flowing outside. Let's do this. Ready? Matt Bell. Who did he sign with? Did you guys see? Thought Space Athletics. What do you know about Thought Space Athletics? Um, I know potentially it's based out of Maine. Yeah. And I think yep. their plastic is produced by MVP. Axiom plastic, I think, is generally what they use for their line of discs. Other than that, I don't really know too, too much about them. So I'm going to end it on that. See, Evan might know. Well, I, I, I've heard that MVP makes their disc, but I wouldn't call it Axiom plastic. Uh, Axiom is still overmold. Uh, under okay MVP. i didn't yeah that that i don't know all yeah. that i didn't know if it was like mvp axiom or streamline i know they all kind They're, of I, I don't know yeah streamline isn't over mold but the plastic feels kind of similar their plastic definitely feels different than mvp so i don't know how mvp exactly makes it if they combine things or whatnot but mm -hmm. i have a couple of their discs i actually really like them but i think it's awesome that a company from maine uh to this lovely six states in new england is uh starting to get into the game sponsoring some people has some discs so a cool thing about them though is what I've heard is every single run of discs has its own artwork. They're they're known as an artwork company, but when they make a run, it's all the same stamp. So they'll they'll reproduce the same mold. So like their mid is called the Pathfinder. The first run Pathfinders will all be a specific set of artwork, and then that artwork is done and retired. When they do their second uh run of Pathfinders, they'll have a new design of artwork. So then you mm -hmm. know exactly what run you're going for. It's not just a basic stamp that's used for dozens of runs like if you like their a disc, artwork is awesome you know what artwork to get and i think that's really cool plus their artwork is cool yeah they got some great designers up there or single designer i don't know how how many people there that's that how, was how long how ahead. long until nissan comes in and says yeah you got to change the name of that disc no more pathfinder for oh, you right <laughs> well that about, happened that happened what, to paul a few yeah, times what about the escape from uh dd is Ford going to come after them? Oh, yeah. Ford. I, I don't know. Ford's too big. Or the Kong. <laughs> they come after Paul. Paul was big enough. The Kong had to get nixed. All right. Mm -hmm. um, man, my brain's still f flying around. So, yeah, Thought Space Athletics. Thought Space, um, from what I had known about them, and honestly, I didn't do much research, and they're in my neck of the woods, was like, yeah, an art company that puts art on discs. That was like my main takeaway, and their art is fantastic. No, Simon's done some things with them. In fact, does doesn't um, Simon and Eagle both have thought space space athletic like jerseys? Yeah, I think they have jerseys with them now. Yeah, so that's cool. So and yeah, now I think he just did a collab. Ideas coming out. Yeah, and Simon just did a collab for the uh, beer release um, up there at Mass Landing. Mass Landing in Maine. That's going to be on his vlog. I know he's advertised mm -hmm. it December eighteenth, so coming right around the corner. I do, I do want to shout out Simon really quick. Uh, his vlog miss is going incredible. I've watched pretty much just about every episode of them. Um, his most recent one, though, was a distance competition versus a good buddy of ours here in Massachusetts. Well, up there in Massachusetts, I should say. Uh, Nick Economos, who I would argue is one of the furthest throwers for someone who consistently hasn't played disc golf in a very long time. And he's finally getting back into the groove of things. He was, you know, 
potentially going to be a pro baseball player now getting more back into the sport. And uh, so I'm super excited to see his growth with everything, but it was really, really cool watching. Don't two, spoil. Don't spoil. Yeah. I'm just going to say two people who <laughs> throw really far, throw really far because as someone who does not throw really far, it's like, dang, actually, how do I do that? Actually, so. Nick, let's spoil it because here's the deal. No, I, no, no, like, I don't, don't want to spoil it. I, I don't want to fully spoil it. I want to ask this, Matt. I want to ask this, Matt, really quick. Yeah. Did you attempt to throw one? No, I actually was gonna, but they were like, "Why waste our time?" Like, so <laughs> no, no, I mean, just even off camera. <laughs> no, I would. I I kind of thought about it, kind of wanted to. I didn't have my disc with me. I could have thrown there. Long story short, and we yeah. were filming. It was it was kind of cold out. Long story short, cold. I was like, yeah. I know what's gonna happen. I've done it so many times. I'm gonna throw it as hard as I can. I'm gonna get 380 or something. <laughs> like, yeah, but that's it. But that's like what so many people want to see, though, is that funniness of like, you know, you take an Olympic athlete. <laughs> know. Like, you know, if I go running against Usain Bolt right now, we all know what's gonna happen. Yeah, we all know. Funny. I'm probably gonna tear a hamstring and not even make it 100 feet. But it's really, really cool to see the average Joe go up against, you know, a pro athlete. And uh, I don't know. So, so let me just say this. Let me just say this because I was there filming. Um, I Someone already commented out there. This will be coming out tonight. It came out earlier. I don't want to totally blow. I'll just say this. Drive all your traffic over there to that video. It's pretty cool. Um, Simon attempts to throw and beat this local distance thrower, if you will. Really good. Um was drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates at one point, isn't doing that anymore, but like is able to throw really far. And Simon wanted to put that to rest. Like who's the furthest throw in Massachusetts? Go check it out. I filmed it. Uh, I didn't catch the full flight because it was too far for his camera for me to like follow it. Um, but I did have a drone up in the air and we were able to do, good, do a nice flight tracker on there. And Simon says something along the lines of like, that might be number one, his hardest throw he's done in two years. Like as in, fastest throw um i think it was like 79 miles an hour 79 yeah and he threw it extremely far and the flight tracker shows it beautifully he's really excited and pumped i'm trying to think if there's anything else behind the scenes that stands out to me there oh someone commented earlier today and this is really unique so i how do i say this okay i'll say it this way the time stamp on youtube when he starts the throw that is so far is the exact number for how far he threw that is a stat. That's wild. Oh, that's good. It's cool. wild. That's, so if you know yeah, how far the, he threw. The, Illum the Illuminati is real. We just I edited the right video there. together for him with his oversight. He was yeah. sitting right where Evan's sitting right now, and I'm sitting where I'm sitting right now, and we edited together yesterday. But um, someone commented it today. They're like, he throws this far at this minute marker. And I'm like, so I go check it out at that minute marker, and I'm like, are you kidding me? The distance he throws is at the start of his throw. That is like, what are the chances of something like that happening? Like astronomical. That's it, wild. Because we didn't try. Like, that's oh, yeah. what I mean. Like, that's easy to do it if you try, but accidental. I, what I find just kind of more ironic is they do this farthest throwing competition at maybe the shortest course in New England. Yeah. Uh, if people don't know that's that's a middle school's like uh track and field and like kind of sports area and you can see a few baskets on the video i believe uh yeah like i think a few of the holes are like 110 feet you know I oh yeah one has trees and that's it so what we did is we actually filmed after and i don't want to give it all away another segment on that layout okay um i don't want to give away the challenges but it was a challenge on a short layout so with with three individuals so not me again. I was filming. It's it, funny to say the 
it's kind of giving it away, but they made so many attempts on these baskets. And I had to keep doing the zoom because he's got the SLR like lens, like manual zoom. And I had to keep doing this for, I'm going to guess like 500 shots. My, my forearm, I'm like, my arms get turning rubber guys from doing the camera. <laughs> Dude, right? So that was that. Yes, Nick, you brought it up. He threw extremely far. I was excited to be there for that. Very cool. Yeah, it was super cool. It's funny, way, way, way back in the day, we're talking, I don't know, probably eight, nine, ten years ago almost, Maple Hill used to, well, they still do the distance competition, but that's actually the first, one of the first times that I met Nick Eco was at that. He had super long hair, like American flag uh, stamp shorts, and he was throwing it further than a lot of the pros that were out there who are known as the big name throwers, Garrett, uh, the David Wiggins back in the day. And uh, so it was cool to finally see him get on the vlog and really unleash his power. I'll tell you this. He's probably arguably the furthest standstill putter thrower that I've ever seen. Like he just flips up an AVR on a standstill further than I can throw a lot of discs, which is embarrassing on my part. But at the same time, it just is raw power, natural talent. Awesome to see. Love it. I agree. I wanted I wasn't my video. This was Simon's vlog, but I wanted to um, see a putter throw. Like I'm pretty That's, sure he can throw. At the end. That was yeah, I think he can end. throw a putter over 400 feet, which is very impressive as well. But yeah, that's not what they were doing. So, anyways, off of that, go check it out, Simon's Vlogmas. It's been going awesome to see. Yeah, and that putting league actually looked insanely fun. The putting league that they're doing in West Boylston over there, yeah, yeah. looks. Yeah insanely cool that's just like a town over from me and i've heard about it. i'm like oh that looks really yeah. cool and it just i don't know never went and now i see yeah, it I'm you like, gotta oh, go that's to sick. like what and you yeah. get to drink beer just hanging out in between shots yeah it's like it's an adult playground and they do it they do it really really cool over there so the the putting league that we're doing here in virginia is kind of like a doubles putting league so you got a partner on the opposite side you try to get to 21 you work together and you're going against two other opponents this putting league that they're doing was spoilsome which i'm sure a ton of other putting leagues do as well is you have putts from 20 feet, 25 feet, and 30 feet, and you just add up your score as you make putts. Your first putt counts, your last putt counts, like for bonus points if you hit those, um, which is something that like I want to do more because you know when I'm putting, there's really re realistically only me to actually make the putt in a tournament. Um, but it did look super cool. It's I think Marky said it's at like an adult playground. There's it's just called, so many cool things. It's called this, and this is a New England play on words: the school yard. The schoolyard, like the schoolyard. Yeah. If for those who are not yeah, doing yeah. the yard, the schoolyard, <laughs> yeah. the schoolyard, and yeah, it's like wicked chill up there. I would hope to make it too, but the problem is, I do a show on Monday nights. I record a show for Disc Golf Network Tuesday nights. I have Simon's vlog, our live podcast on Thursday nights. I can't quite escape on Wednesday with my family and kids and feel right about it. I do want to get up there. It's, it looks worth it. Nick Jeremy Colling made a post. Is this cryptic or not? And I'll let the 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 live chat chime in on this. He said something along the words of. And this was a like a, a love note in a Facebook post to his fiance, right? They're engaged, yes. And he yeah. said, I love you infinitely, my dear. Is that cryptic of like infinite disc? Because it was very like it was wordy almost like he was saying thanks to like sponsors and stuff. And then he's like, I love you infinitely, my dear. And I'm like, is he like feeding something out there? What's he doing? What do you think, Nick? Like, it, is he gonna move? I don't know. He's, I feel like he's done so, you know, like decently well with Innova. He's got great finishes. He's got the Thunderbird, which I know sells pretty crazy. I know a lot of people that throw his Thunderbirds. 
So, I, I mean, to be honest, a few years ago we were saying, would Paul really ever leave any of us? So I guess if someone offers you the right thing, there's a potential. I, I don't. I haven't heard any rumors about that, any speculation <laughs> on it, so I can't. Most of the other things we've talked about, I've heard a pretty decent amount on. You just have to be like wise with your words. But um, I, I'm, <laughs> this one, I'm actually, embellishing I this, Nick. No, I'm embellishing yeah, it. He says yeah. three years, exclamation mark. My partner, my support, my sanity. I love you infinitely, my dear. I just thought with all the infinite we've been talking yeah. about, is he well, feeding think, something yeah. out there? But. That's, I mean, that's a been, far reach. It would have been funny because I think he's been with Innova now for four years. So if it was like, I've loved you for three years and if <laughs> somehow right. that all worked out, if it was literally like, <laughs> once again, the Illuminati confirmed, then, uh, no, I don't know. I, well, I, I don't picture that. I, I see him being, you know, one of the, one of the top guys at Innova pretty much the rest of his career. He was also a known P2 putter and, uh, with the, uh, discontinued, uh, P2s from Innova, uh alpacas is kind of taking the place so i don't know i actually don't know what he puts with now i've just i've always heard he puts with p2s so that's a good point actually he probably to be honest i mean just because they're discontinued he probably still has a pretty nice i feel like i recently saw him post saying does anyone have these p2s i'd love to buy some off of you so i mean i think for the most part he still puts with the og p2s i don't think what was it like the frenzy or something like that or the freak whatever it was called but yeah um, I don't think he puts with those ones. I just think he puts with an old run of P2s. And it's funny with the old disc mania stuff, they were so heavily focused on like first run, second run, third run stuff that like, you know, if you want to get a good PD, you got to get the first or the second run or the 11th run. And it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I, don't, I can't keep up All with right. it. I just get a disc and if it feels good, I try to throw it. So he's not leaving is kind of our conclusion, but who knows? That was yeah. just me far, far reach. Just looking for things that'd to be, talk that'd about. That'd be hilarious though. If he, if he does leave Matt, then you need to be the Twitter person in the world who's like, all right, you know, this person's leaving. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Schefter in NFL or something? I don't know. Yeah, like an Adam Schefter. Yeah, yeah. Knows all the things and feeds it out yeah. there. Maybe that's what I'll do. I can be that guy. Um, like, so here's my take. And you can, uh, like, take it or leave it is how I'll put it. But we've already done our talk on Ricky. But I just got this feeling, kind of like the feeling I had when I guessed that Calvin wouldn't win anything the rest of the year or at all. Now, he won the the Vintage, which was a uh, Silver Series. We've already talked about that. And he tied. So I was pretty close. This one, I would like to think I'm going to be pretty close on, too. You guys take it or leave it. I think Ricky is going to announce a million-dollar deal, if not multi-million, but I'm going to say million-dollar deal of some sort this year, and it will be public. What do you think about that? And Either of you, do you have any reaction to that? That is where I am landing right now. I agree 100%. Really? Yeah. Okay. Nick, what do you think? I have two opinions on it. I think if he stays with Innova, that will not be happening. If he leaves Innova and there's a company that can sack up that much money, then it will happen. Um, reason I, reason I say that, I mean, the only other person in the sport in what the last multiple years who has multiple world titles is Ricky Wysocki. He doesn't have a U.S. title yet, but we do kind of – a lot of companies have always favored the world's title over – Pretty much everything else that's almost how you define someone's career is how many world titles have they won. Then you got the two different one-time champions with James Conrad now, um, Greg Barsby, and then 2020 we didn't have a world championship. But then dating back after the, after Greg Barsby, or excuse me, before Greg Barsby, it was Paul and Ricky since 2012. So, I mean, he is a player who has the accolades. Um, he's won a ton of elite series events, not just majors or anything like that. And um, 
So he, and he's a marketable player. He, he has a fan base. I said this a couple of weeks ago, he kind of has a cult following. He's a very, very big fan favorite at a lot of events that he goes to. So publicity wise, marketability wise, I think he's always done pretty well for himself. And he is someone technically multiple world titles who could land a very, very big contract. Now I think million dollars, it's kind of like at this point, it's funny because you look at Paul's contract guaranteed million dollars, you know, every year for 10 years, he's a five time world champion and now a three time world champion. But when he signed that contract, he was, uh, excuse me, two time us champion. Now he's a three time. Um, so you kind of think like, all right, is Ricky worth a million dollars a year? No. Okay. You could argue that you could argue that, I'm doing no, 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 the, I'm, I'm saying, doing like, the, um, the, uh, what's his name? Brain freeze, the multi-million dollar lifetime contract, Drew Gibson. I'm doing oh, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. So, I, I'm saying yeah. I, if I want to be more specific, it's million dollar, four years, the same way Paul came out, something along those okay, lines. Yeah, okay. So, something along okay, those lines. Okay. So that, that I see more, more realistic than a million a year. Yeah. So say there. he signed, say, say even say he Say he leaves Innova and goes to Pro Discus, okay? And they say, we want to give you 500 grand a year for two years. Then, okay, yeah, technically now he has a million-dollar contract. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, long story short, I think if he stays with Innova, he will not get that kind of contract. I think, you know, he would have to sign five-plus years, maybe, four to five years with Innova to guarantee a million dollars. But that's just my my take. Right. So Evan, go ahead and give us your thought. Well, I just, if he doesn't get that $1 million mark, I, I think there's almost a 0% chance he announces it publicly. He's not going to come out and say, Oh yeah, I've signed a, a 10 year, $750,000 per year deal. Uh, he's not going to do that. He's going to do either, you know, match. Cause he's, he's going to match Paul or, or have a better contract. Whether that means it truly is a better contract or not, that's up for debate, as you guys were just saying. Uh, you know, you could include it, how, word it however you want, but he's not going to just straight up say, I make less than a million a year publicly. Uh, but, I mean, is that even a bad thing to say, though? Like, if you if you don't have the same accolades as another person, and a lot of other sports, I mean, Steph Curry's getting paid this amount, and then take another Damian Lillard, another great point guard, great player, who makes less than him but his contract is publicly announced. I mean, it's almost like, you know, why is everything so secret? Like Ricky is not worth as much as Paul is. And that's my personal opinion. Other people could think he's worth more. Other people could think he's worth the same. I'm just saying when it comes to a standpoint of like, what player do I think is worth more? I think Paul is worth more and he hasn't fallen off since he signed that big contract. And I'm not saying Ricky fell off either. I mean, you have arguably, you could choose whether one of them is, the player of the year this year, you, you can have an argument for that. But at the same time, I mean, for Ricky, if he was to come out and say, yeah, I just signed a 10 year deal and I'm making $800,000 a year guaranteed. I think that would be an incredible, credible deal for him. And I think that's nothing to be ashamed. I mean, you got three less world titles and you have three less U S titles. Well, and Nick, so. people in the chat are saying this, but my point is when I say million dollar, I mean like culmination of years. So if he's making seven fifty yeah. or 800 a year, that's still if he does that for one year or two or two or whatever it is, one and a half years, that's a million dollars. Yeah. And that's how Paul came out first. He had the first million dollar contract, Mm -hmm. if you will. I think something's going to happen for Ricky. That's all my take was great conversation surrounding it. Um, And we don't need to rehash out that whole thing. Like who's leaving. Someone's like, well, if Jeremy Colling's not leaving, who's leaving? Is it going to be Chris Dickerson? Would it be Eagle? We went through that last episode. So go listen to that. 
we actually hash out the top 10 players in each division who would be most likely to leave and who probably is leaving mainly because they're undervalued according to their performance and they're starting to see this money fly around and they think it's time for them to get some of that. So that's the conversation there. However, we brought on a special guest tonight. We've got him lined up in the green room and I'd like to bring him in. His name is Scott Stokely, everybody. He has never been on the show before and we're excited to have him on. Let's check his audio out. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing good. How is my audio? Perfect. It's actually perfect. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> it works. Uh, technology is great when it works. So welcome to the show. Uh, we're really happy to have you on. I've been following you for years. I've been playing about 15 years. However, I'm just going to say it and it might hurt your feelings. You haven't, Uh-oh, I'm old. You ha- well, you haven't been purely relevant to this generation. I say this, I mean like millennial and the new generation of disc golfers. In fact, a lot of our audience might have no clue who you are. So tell us a little bit first, go out there, everybody, and buy the book, Scott Stokely. I believe it's called Growing Up Disc Golf, something like that, right? It is. Okay, and now tell us a little bit. Give us the condensed version of, like, how long you've been playing, what have you done, and maybe what are some of your proudest achievements? Let let the people know who you are. Sure. sure. So I've been playing forever, (laughs) basically. Uh, I played my first round of disc golf on the world's first disc golf course when it was the only course in the entire world. So I started at ground zero. I was the first full-time member of the world's first disc golf, first time full-time junior member of the world's first disc golf club. Um, I played throughout the eighties. I toured in the nineties off and on for eight years. I was one of the first, I was actually the seventh player to go on tour. Six players had done it before me. And uh, up until 2001, I, I, uh, the, the trivia answer would be who finished second to Climo twice at the Worlds in the 90s. <laughs> that would be me. Wow. Um, sort of proud of it, sort of embarrassed, a little bit of both. But anyways, <laughs> you know, I was, I was that, you know, I was the Carl Malone to the Michael Jordan for an era. <laughs> and, um, but I also spent a lot of time teaching. Um, I, I went to 220 cities. Uh, doing throwing clinics. I, you know, traveled around the country, wrote the first book on disc golf throwing technique. Um, some of the kids that came to my clinics as youngsters were people like Nate Sexton and Greg Barsby and David Wiggins and, you know, all sorts of players who have gone on to make names for themselves. And then I quit playing for 13 years. Um, oh, I guess uh, the other thing, I guess I, uh, I had a, I set the Guinness World Record for the longest throw of a flying disc. In the 90s, broke my own record. I set the world record for the longest throw of a flying disc sidearm as well. I'm the only person to hold both those records. And a bunch of other like national titles, world pairs titles, like 17 total world and national titles, just not open pro singles worlds. That was second place twice. Um, But then I took 13 years off and then I came back to the sport in 2014. And toured for three years took a couple more years off and now i've been back out for two years and what's what's mostly bring you back out because we're going to get into it a little bit later but you know you you are pretty much announcing that you are returning to the sport kind of like full on what what keeps bringing you back uh because every other job in the world compared to disc golfing sucks (laughs) yeah but yeah no that's that's a perfect genuine answer the i i stopped playing because my daughter was born 
Um, I wanted to be home to raise her. I wasn't going to be on tour. I also needed uh, to be able to financially make a life uh, for her. She uh, went off to college a couple years ago, and that's when I, w I went back out. Uh, everything I own that I couldn't take with me, and my girlfriend, uh, Adrienne, who travels with me, anything she owns that she couldn't take with her, we gave away or threw away. We have no storage in and no home base. We will be traveling, doing this for the rest of, of our lives, the rest of my life. So I, my home is on the road. My home is traveling around the U.S., traveling around the world, doing disc golf, adventure traveling. So this is, I mean, this is my home. It's yeah. the, the road. Wow. Uh, is it true? Uh, the, book the book shows it, right? You got disc golf on your knuckles. Can you show that to the camera? That's <laughs> perfect to our audio I'll listeners. That is, come that's check always it out. been one of the cooler disc golf tattoos that yeah. I've seen. A lot of people have, you know, different types of baskets. We always talk about one of the games that we play doing crazy designs on it, but I always thought yours was very straightforward. It is. It's written very well. I, I've always liked that one. Yeah. Well, I wanted to make sure that I, that I, if I ever got this crazy idea about getting another type of job that nobody would hire me. <laughs> so succeeded. Mm-hmm. All right, so you're coming back, and, and when we say come back, do you view this as? How, well, let me just ask it. How do you view this 2022 season as being a comeback, a a not comeback, a return? Like I've always been here. What what is it for you? 2022. Well, I've been playing tournaments the last couple of years. I mean, I think this year playing MP40 and MP50, I think I won 16 tournaments or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, open tournament but mostly mp40 okay yeah, um, you, had a, you had an open win up in north dakota yeah up in yeah up in uh mm -hmm. i don't know it all kind of blurs together now i feel really bad <laughs> that's okay um they gave me a championship belt which i actually because i'm traveling it's the only trophy that i've kept i'd nice. rather i donate to a local player or something like that i kept the championship <laughs> belt because it's cool um so but I know, but I, next year I'm going to be playing the Open Pro Tour. I'm going to play 30-some-odd events. I got scheduled, every one of them, all the biggest events in the, the MPO. And we're, I'm going to see how that goes. It's going to be a, a grand experiment. Okay, a grand experiment. I saw you doing some work with Seth Muncy, Disc Golf Strong, also Disc Golf Pro Tour athletic personal trainer, health official, safety guy. He's <laughs> a lot of things for him. But you're doing work with him. Uh, what are the things you're having to do to get ready for 2022? Do you feel like you have to do things or is this because you, you don't want to uh, come in last? Yeah. Well, first off, I ain't coming in last. Okay. You have my, I will be in the top 50% when I play poorly. Um, I'll give you a quick synopsis of, of the decision to go out on tour because I'm not going out to, to participate. Um, I was raised in the seventies. Uh, participation ribbons aren't, something i'm a fan of um i'm going out uh i only am going out because i feel like i can be competitive um now i think my rating's in the low 990s right now but this is how i viewed it when i decided last april or i guess it was this year in april that i, w I was considering going on tour next year in the open division i i i made an honest evaluation evaluation of my game and i was absolutely ready to not go out on tour if I didn't feel like I could be competitive. But here's the conclusion I came to. Um, I had some medical issues beginning of this year, but at the, at the end of last year, 
I was 1,010 rated. So I was the second highest rated MP50 in the world. 1,010, you know, at 52 years old is pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not competitive in the open division, but it's, it's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, however, when I was uh, that 1,010 rating at, at the end of last year, zero practice. I would just show up at tournaments. I was doing teaching stuff during the week. So I wouldn't practice at all during the week. I would show up at a tournament. Most of them, I, I would show up Saturday morning, play the tournament blind. So with no practice, playing tournaments blind, I was shooting 1,010 rated. So I felt like if I actually trained and practiced the way you're supposed to if you're being competitive, I felt like 1,025-ish was probably in my wheelhouse. I mean, that's only a couple strokes around above 1,010. Yep. I can see where I can make that up simply by putting during the week, right? Uh, and 1,025 is competitive. It's not, you know, lead card frequently, but 1,010, any 1,025 player can win a tournament on a given weekend. Jason Ford was maybe 1020s, maybe low 1030s when he won Music City Open. So, I mean, you have players that are doing that. It's good enough to you can get hot. Mm -hmm. And that's when I said, well, that, that means if I can play at that level, that means I can put it together for a weekend. I'm capable of it. Whether or not I do is hindsight. So I said, well, but then, my, of course, like I just said, I need to start practicing and training to get in shape. And so I made the decision to do that. This is uh, early summer. And I started going out actually practicing, you know, with a stack of discs and throwing. And almost immediately my arm and my body started hurting. And I realized I was actually 52 years old. Um, I thought my birth certificate was wrong. Turns out they nailed it. Yeah. So I, I had to step back and I uh, canceled my last several months of tournaments. And I said, I need to stop throwing for a few months and get my body back in shape. And it's everything's been about diet, exercise, resistance training. I mean, I'm spending six hours a week in the gym and have been for the last four months. Getting my body in shape, not, I don't have to be 20 years old, but I can't be 52. I'm trying to have the body of, let's say, a 38, 38-year-old. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but that's good enough. That's enough where I can actually put the practice reps in. And so that's where I'm at right now. It's all been physical. That's why I've been working with Seth Muncie. All about getting my body in shape, my diet, my my cardio, and I am now just begun throwing the throwing preparation to prepare for next year. And as of right now, my my arm doesn't hurt, nothing hurts. I feel great. Um, I'm still throwing 550 foot sidearms, 550 foot backhand, so distance isn't an issue. So I'm I'm planning on surprising a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So that's that was kind of kind of lead into my next question ultimately what is your you know what's your goal there's obviously multiple goals throughout the whole season but like if you have one specific goal that you were working towards in the 2022 season it's to, uh, to win the world championships mm -hmm. if 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 i'm not playing to win the world championships i shouldn't be out with their using up a spot from someone that is mm -hmm. even if that spot was taken by a 970 player if their dream is to try to win the world championships, they should have that spot, not me. I'm not out there to participate. Every weekend, my goal, number one, first and foremost, is to win. Now, I got perspective in life. I'm older. Um, I have other revenue sources in the sport. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm an outlier, but I'm certainly not doing anything other than trying to win. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And have you heard... I don't know how in tune you are with watching the news, but JK, 
Juliana Corver just won the award of Disc Golf Pro Tour Rookie of the Year. What if that's your first time hearing it? What's your reaction? Or what's your reaction to that in general? And then you could win Rookie of the Year next year for Disc Golf Pro Tour, unless they change things. How do you feel about that? I, well, first off, I suspect they're going to change things. Um, my feeling is, is that I love Juliana, and she's a great person, and I'm a huge fan. And it's one of those situations where these are the rules and guidelines that had been established before the thing happened. Regardless of what happened, you can't change it after the fact. Mm-hmm. Certainly, Juliana, all Juliana did is went out and competed, and, and the, rule, the rules have been set. And But I get the problem people have. It's obvious. I mean, I don't need to explain why. <laughs> yeah, We're going to rant on this. We're going to rant on this later. Yeah. But I just wanted I your opinion. Yeah, it was good. It's one of those things where it's just it's it's hindsight. I think if if you could look back with hindsight, you would say, oh, we may, you know, we things maybe could have been set up differently. But the DGPT is awesome. But they're still made up of people, and mm-hmm. people are make decisions that they think are the best, and then you evaluate those decisions after the fact, and sometimes you change them. Um, I, I, so I don't know. That, that's my take on it. As I think that I I get the problem everybody has and at the same time you want according to the rules in front of you too so if they don't change them if they don't change them you you're i mean you could realistically be that guy next year so we'll see yeah i don't uh, <laughs> I, I here's what here's my hope by the way if anybody's listening i hope the dgp comes out and, and says you know what there's you know this is why this happened and guess what We've we've reevaluated and we're giving out a, a co-winner this year, and I think there could be a second winner even from this year, even after the fact. Why not? I mean, what? Like, they get to make the rules. It's their organization. Mm-hmm. So, well, the PDGA did joint. Didn't they do joint players of the year? The PDGA uh, last year. So, I mean, yes, it can all happen. Um, did you yeah, ever? I mean, it's your club. You yeah. make the rules. <laughs> That's right. Um, did you ever get Look your trailer? Yeah, did you ever get your trailer back? You had a trailer stolen. Um, you don't have to disclose what was in it, but did you ever get it back or find anything out about that? No, they. Uh, I mean, if they needed meth more than we needed everything we owned. Basically. Yep. yep. No, we never got anything. We never got it back. Um, I didn't expect to. Even if we did get it back, it's not like it's going to have anything in it. Um, all we know is that a maroon minivan pulled into the parking lot of the hotel at five a clock or something in the morning and hooked it up and drove off with it. Jeez. Wow. What a world. Um, it, you know, this, here, here's the thing. So, um, my life is really, really, really good. You know, like if I go, uh, if I go and complain and try to cry about this thing, when you include this and everything else I'm able to do with my life, I'm so happy. I've never been happier living the life I think many people would trade places with me in a heartbeat. Who am I going to cry to? I lost stuff. Mm-hmm. That's nonsense. It's stuff. Uh, I, I, the next day I drove to another Frisbee tournament and played Frisbee all day. Mm-hmm. Cry me a river, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, one of the things going out onto the road for a lot of disc golfers is sponsors, uh, disc manufacturers. I noticed you're wearing a cast of plast polo. I didn't know if, yeah, you. So, um, 2022, are you looking at a single disc manufacturer? Are you any sponsors helping you out on the road next year? Are you just kind of flying solo and doing your thing, proving everyone wrong? I have a lot of announcements. I've been working on this for about the past 18 months. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I have a mixed bag. Um, I have a number of disc companies that are sponsoring me next year, including some major companies um, are all participating in, um, in my mixed bag. Uh, in fact, hypothetically, I am not saying this is true, but hypothetically, if I had a whole bunch of different tour series discs coming out, and if I had Stokely golf bags, Stokely golf carts, Stokely barbecue sauce, mm. and such products, they would probably start being announced on January 1st. <laughs> God, I love January 1st, 2022. I think that's a day that we're all looking in the content creation world of all these barbecue sauce. Plays. Yeah, ah. barbecue sauce, carts, bags, everything. If, if I had four flavors of barbecue sauce. Yeah, what would they be? And if each of those four labels had a capital letter D, I, S, or C on each of them, basically forcing you to buy all four <laughs> and then buy four additional ones that come out in the spring that, that spell out golf, hypothetically, you'd hear about them in January. <laughs> um, and like so good. They're the, the Castaplast Berg yeah. or the Castaplast Lutz. Okay. Um, a, a marker and drew a picture of myself on it with my logo. <laughs> You're a pretty good drawer, then. Thank you. Yeah, I drew yeah. those. Um, maybe I'll get picked up and announce them on January. <laughs> There's so many announcements that could potentially or hypothetically happen. I can't wait. Um, and I mean that seriously, there's a lot of things that are going to come out. Um, not just news that you're going to release. There's a lot and we're excited about it. Tell us a little bit about teaching disc golf seems to be something that you do well. I know that Simon, I, we hang out fairly often and Simon has mentioned it here and there. Like, Hey, Simon can observe and see maybe issues, but he's not good at like providing the way to correct that if you will. And he thinks, right. and he thinks that you do well with that, and I know many others do. Um, how did is that just your personality that you and you've developed playing on your own for a, for a long time? Like, and are you passionate about that teaching disc golf? Yeah, I take teaching disc golf every bit as serious as I take um, as I took competing. Um, I want to be the best teacher in the world. That's it, the competitive part of me. I mean, I want to be the best at everything. Uh, I do more teaching than anyone else in the world. I've done, I did my 500th clinic in February last year. I did, or sorry, last year, this year, I keep feeling like it's next year. This year, something full day seminars all over the country. Um, in the three years leading up to this year, I did more than 1200 private lessons around the country. Um, about two thirds of them by video because of things. Um, I take teaching more serious than anybody. And I, I've developed a different approach. I mean, I, I hate, I, I cringe every time I say this, but I call it the Scott Stokely disc golf method, but I hate sounding like I'm talking about myself in the third person, but for <laughs> business and branding purposes, I'm, you know, everything's going to Stokely to it, right? It it's works. What you do. And it made me laugh, but it works. Your, your joke made me laugh talking about yourself. That's like a Seinfeld skit. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. Go on. Sorry. Oh, I mean, if, if it was anybody else, I would tell them they should do that. They're like, <laughs> Doing a podcast, I'm calling it the like this podcast, and I'm like, no, you call it your name podcast. <laughs> the your Nick, name is your brand. the Nick and Matt show. There you go. So, um, uh, yeah, though, but I've developed a, a, a method, and I'll just to give the 10 second version of it. Basically, um, and this is 30 years in the making, but there's the two most common ways of learning disc golf are both inherently flawed. The first is figure out what works for you and do it. It's like, no, that's no, physics, biomechanics trump everything. There's a right 
and a wrong way to do things. So you can't just do what works for you. But the second way that's equally flawed is thinking that there's an exact specific way you're supposed to throw. This is the process of, of watching Paul throw in slow motion and trying to emulate when his hips turn and when his foot goes from toe to heel and try to do that. And as virtually every person that's tried to do this knows, that also doesn't work. And the reason why is because everybody's bodies are different. Different muscle mass, different flexibility, different scar tissue in different areas. I'm, twin brothers raised side by side. If one of them plays water polo and one of them plays tennis, will actually develop different bodies at a structural level. We're not identical. So you can't emulate an exact technique. So what I've developed is the, the fundamentals that all the top players have to do. You, you, it's not a matter of doing what works for you. You must do these certain things. It's etched in stone. But once you do those certain things, there is variance and flexibility around how you do them. So you have to do these, however, your body will figure out the way your body was meant to move within those parameters. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's different. And that's the customization that is, that's why my, all the reviews are so good and why everybody is so happy when they come to my seminars or even my YouTube videos. When I teach, I don't teach the specific details that don't work on all the other videos. I teach you the fundamentals of doing something and then let your body figure out what works within those, those guidelines. I'm really proud of it. And, but I'm proud of it because it's virtually 100% of people I work with go, oh, my God, this is I, now I can throw far. Now I have a side up. Mm -hmm. mm. Nick, it sounds like you need to sign up. <laughs> I know, right? I It's funny because, you know, I've taught my fair share of lessons this year. And that is one big thing that I say. I'm like, you have to do these specific things to make your throw work. I was like, you can try to emulate what Paul does. But if you're six foot three and Paul's five foot 10, your body is not going to react the same way that Paul's body reacts um, when it comes to your throwing styles. And um, I mean, I don't have all the perfect answers. When I teach clinic, I tell people, I'm like, look, don't ask me for improvements on distance. I can teach you how to throw decently accurate and with a good forehand. And I'm a pretty decent putter. But um, there are definitely things that I think every disc golfer in the world still, I mean, you're a student of the game for as long as you're playing the game. So you never unbecome a student. Um, you're always trying to learn what is going to help out. If you look every single off season, pros are tweaking their form just that little bit to try to get that longer lasting style of throw. They're not killing their bodies. And they're also looking to improve on every single part of their game. Yeah. And it, this is true. It's like every professional tennis player serves the same way. Mm -hmm. However, Djokovic or whoever I think is a Serbian tennis player would do impressions of tennis players during rain delays and everybody in the stands could recognize who he was doing an impression with because everybody's different, mm -hmm. except they're not. They're all serving the same way. Golf swings are all the same. There's a right and a wrong way to do things, but you just, you have to figure out how you do those things. Mm -hmm. and, and, but that, that's what works and it opens up doors. I, I think, yeah, I like what you're saying. There's a right way to do it. You have to fit. It's not figuring out the way I hear what you're saying. I'm not going to reiterate it. So let me get, yeah. let me get into this. Um, we actually going to have some interesting, I think, some stats. We have Stat Mando. Here's Evan on camera. We're going to pull him up in a second. Hello, talk. Um, Evan is one of the faces behind Stat Mando, who's revolutionizing the stat side of the sport. They're the live broadcast, or a lot of the stats come from them. He's going to pull up some about you, what we found on you. We did some research. We had to we had to dig we had to dig pretty deep. <laughs> 
And uh, but we, I think he found some. So actually, let's go right to it. Evan, do you have any stats at all? Thank yeah, I mean, up. Scott mentioned earlier that he had uh, 16 wins this year. Uh, that's the most for his career. Whoa. Um, he had 12 wins in 2015 and nine in 2018, um, which all beats his 90s record in 1997, which was eight wins. Um, someone actually said it in chat, and I had it in my mind too. Do you know what Simon Lazat's most popular YouTube video is? Yeah. So the, yes, it's, <laughs> I, the one with me. It, it's it's over nine hundred thousand, and his second highest video is about five hundred fifty thousand. So it, my video is almost twice his second most viewed video, and it is twice his third most viewed video. Yeah, it's uh, he's he was surprised. The funny thing about this is that after this happened, he. We're t- I'm talking to him on the phone. He goes, I guess the algorithm changed. And I'm like, well, it was because it was me. And he's like, no, I think it's the YouTube algorithm. Well, the very next video was, uh, I think he was shooting with Paul at Paul's new course, which is ex- like, that's as clickbaity as you get. Who doesn't want to see Paul's new course? And it's like at 250,000. And so I, I was like, I'm better than Paul. Uh, <laughs> Let's get the Scott. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. not what I meant. But uh, yo, yeah, I was. Really proud of that, and and uh, Simon has not given me a cut of his ad revenue. But... <laughs> <laughs> Simon's out there listening. He's probably editing right now, listening, and he's gonna comment and he's gonna say something smart. I'm sure. Uh, love the guy. All right. I, I who everyone loves Simon. He's right. such a great guy. Yeah. All right, uh, Evan. You got any more? Uh, yeah. So you've actually only played one elite series, uh, uh, national tour and disc golf pro tours uh, before, and that was actually in the masters division at the 2015 uh, Beaver State Fling, which you won. Um, and, I mean, I just think that's crazy. You're, you're heading out onto the tour next year, and uh, people are excited to see you on the pro tour, but you haven't even played any national tour events in open either, which has been around since 2003. So, uh, totally different from scenario. Two, from like 2000, 2001-ish until 2015 or 2014, I basically, I, I didn't play at all. So... Uh, but I, I yeah, realized I was one for one in, in, in NT events. So there pretty much like I'm unbeatable. <laughs> <laughs> and the NT now, we, we'd like to say it's gone away, but now it's officially managed by the Disc Golf Pro Tour. So, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a few, a few more. Your best uh, event rating was at the Discraft Bob West Memorial in March of 2000. You average a 1038. Uh, you came in first in an eight-tier uh, open win. Um, your second best one was actually from 2020, although it was just a one-rounder called the Jolly's Ranch Warm-Up, which is a 1034. Uh, the most cash you've ever won was $2,336 at the 1998 World Championships, which you finished second to uh, who we all know, uh, Ken Climo. Um, and then you also have another uh, two-grand winner, uh, 2180 at the 1995 Japan Open, where you finished third. There you go. That's cool. That's, you know, the the money was not what it was back then. <laughs> but I, I don't care. I mean, so I like I literally don't care about prize money. Uh, one of the things that I'm that I'm really proud of is that starting in April of this year, uh, I've decided that every single tournament I go to that uh I think it started at the beginning of April this year. Um, every tournament I go to, I give the tournament director the name of a local autism organization, and 100% of my prize money goes to that autism organization. 
So cool. like, and I've already decided to do it for next year. So any prize money I win on the pro tour next year is going to be sent directly to whatever organization I'm playing for this week. And that includes skins money. That includes ace pulls, every single thing. Like I don't play for, for, I'm an amateur basically. I, I don't play for money anymore. Wow. So listen, he said he was, I heard the quote, we're going to snag it out and um, we're going to clickbait this video. Scott Stokely said he's better than Macbeth. Okay, that's one. That's one. Number <laughs> number two, he's doing Macbeth things before Macbeth. He's donating all of his winnings. So, I mean, maybe this is, there's something here. So, awesome. Thanks for sharing those, Evan. Hey, yeah. I got, a fun, I got a funny story about, about, about the Paul thing. So, the first time I played a tournament round against Paul, uh, we, we, they put us on the first, you know, whatever card together. Um, it was one of the few eight tiers I played in the Open Division. And on the very first hole... I threw it under the basket. Paul threw it about 10 feet from there, but just right out of bounds and dropped his putting for par. And I got a birdie on the very first hole of the first hole of the tournament with Paul. And there was this, this little voice inside my head that said, I should just walk off right now and say, I have nothing more to prove. And you didn't, though. No, I stuck around. <laughs> and, and <laughs> All right. But, but I thought about it. Nick, I've got I've got one I want to ask him before we get off the topic of disc yeah. golf fully. But what do you got? Anything? No, nope, go for it. Right. I'm actually just looking up something. You messaged. We've messaged for a little while. You reached out and said, "Hey, enjoy the show." This was months ago or longer. It might have even been last year. We've corresponded a little bit. I'm glad you're on. But something you said to me recently spoke to me, and I'm just curious where that comes from with inside. Okay. And what you can share for everybody else out there, you talked about maybe bullying and haters or haters. You talked about haters. Um, just generally, what's your view on that? Maybe you're like, I don't know what I said, but just share maybe your perspective on haters because I'm sure you've had a few in your life. Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, I've, I'm not really getting that at all anymore. Um, not really. But when I came back to the sport, in 2014, and I, I tried, I decided I needed to become relevant in some way. But at this point, I'm 45 years old and I hadn't played in 13 years. And so I didn't feel like I could be competitive at the highest level as a player. So what do I do? So I decided, well, how can I be interesting and controversial? Now, controversial doesn't mean I wasn't doing any bad things to anybody. I don't act like an ass on the course, I, you know, but I was being outrageous and wild and polarizing and with that came haters it also came a lot of attention i built my brand you know it was business i had to go into it knowing that there are going to be people that don't like me because i can't go out there and be polarizing and then be shocked that people have an opinion of me that isn't favorable um i can't go oh well they if they knew me they would like me no of course not they get a public persona they're on the other team. That's the way it works. So part of being pull, uh, about the haters is just understanding, like before you get into something, knowing what you're getting into. If you're gonna be, if, if you're gonna take a political stance, don't take a political stance and then be shocked that there's people that don't like you. It comes with the territory, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was on purpose. And one of the things I think that I, I want people that. Uh, the disc golfers to know is that if, if you're a professional athlete, you automatically have haters because there are people rooting for the other team. 
Like the mere fact that you're playing against their guy or their girl makes some people just not like you. You're, you know, I don't know. I've never heard a bad word about Peyton Manning, but when he went into Foxborough, he got booed. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just the way it works. It, it's, you're a public figure. And Welcome so, to Massachusetts too. No. Yeah. So it's one of those things you just have to accept going into it. The, the, also the understanding is that the haters are the ones that are going to, they go a little personal, maybe more than just being fans of your, uh, of the competition. It's just recognizing where they're coming from and they're, that they're probably not in a, the happiest place in their life. And to feel, I, I feel empathy for them as opposed to being angry back at them. Like if you're trying to knock me down for what I'm doing, you know, like that, why there's no reason for it so mm -hmm. if you're trying to do that i kind of feel bad for you instead of letting it bother me so it's just one of these things you learn when you get older i mean i didn't you know when i was 20 i would have handled it differently when i was 30 i had a different perspective and now i'm elderly <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like it, it's okay now it really does come with the territory though not even being a professional athlete but just someone in the content creation world matt and i and evan doing this podcast right now you know People will dislike us for something that we said because it hurts the feelings of some person that they like. Or like, you know, if I read comments on a YouTube video that I, they're like, you know, oh, Nick is so annoying. And I'm like, what, what am I doing? I'm literally playing disc golf with a mitten on. Like, I, I don't know. I, like, There's just there's going to be someone that's like that realistically for every single person. People hate Paul. People hate Rico, uh, Ricky, but people love Paul and people love Ricky. So, I mean, that's how you handle it. You, yeah. you are you're on YouTube and you're putting out videos or you're doing a podcast, mm -hmm. you are a public figure. And with being a public figure, that comes with the package. Mm -hmm. You also get rewards for being a public figure because you also get people saying, I watch your show and I like you. These are total strangers telling you how much they like you. You can't get that without being a public figure either, exactly. right? So you have to come with it. I mean, it, yeah. I hate to say it comes down to sticks and stones. Mm -hmm. But it, it kind of does. And, I, you know, it's taken me a little while to, to uh, you know, like I'm not all high and mighty. It, it, you know, I've, I've heard things that didn't make me feel good before, but it's been a while. Mm -hmm. not, not so much anymore. So, hey, like you said, it, it is super rewarding to hear that one person say like, hey, man, I love like, you know, listening to your show. We had people, you know, post that on Spotify. We were their number one listen to podcast. And that just completely cancels out any noise of like, you know, oh, I hate that podcast or those guys are so annoying or whatever. And so it's just, it's comical, but it's, it literally just comes with being somewhat of a public figure. So I'll, I'll tell you real quick. And if, if I bump into you guys on the road, uh, this is one of the things that didn't get stolen from our, our trailer because it was in our hotel room. Um, the, the, one of the things about the only thing I took with me other than clothing, my golf bag, a, you know, a couple laptops, uh, was a, a, uh, a book that I printed out and had bound. And what that book is, is uh, I've, I've done 281 events for kids and adults with special needs. You know, mostly autism, but special needs. It's, it's something that's important to me. Mm -hmm. And I took about a six month period, this is like four or five years ago, because I was quote unquote controversial or something like that. And I, I was trying to deal with people's mixed opinions about me. But I took about six months worth of letters well, they're emails now, but effectively letters from people in the autism community, parents. And I printed 300 letters from parents of kids with special needs. And I, I got, I'll show up to them if I come to town, I bound them and put them in a book. And the reason I took that book with me with very few other things is 
<clears throat> excuse me, is that I have 300 parents that say, I really appreciate what you did for my kid. Mm -hmm. And my feeling was, is if things ever got tough in my life or I, anything that I didn't like, I could pop open this book and I could be like, yeah, this is what matters to me. Like, and then someone said they don't like me because I, you know, said some political thing or something like that. Well, I could get, you know, whatever they, what you think. I care what the parents think mm -hmm. far more than I care about you stranger in my YouTube comment. Exactly. And so, yeah, so I, that's, you know, that's my, like my safe, my, uh, not safety blanket, my Linus blanket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, 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 I totally, I'd love to see it. If we run into each other, it'd be awesome. Yeah. I, 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 I literally bound up 300 pages, wow. you know, Heck for yeah. that. That's yeah. awesome. Inspiration coming from all different places. You did share, I found the message. I'm not going to read it. It was a private message to us, but it says you, there's a YouTube video where you actually do an hour long video about haters. You said, so please check it out. I don't know if that's available out there still. Um, yeah. Um, YouTube channel, check it out about haters. I sat on top of, by the way, it's mostly funny stories. Great. So mostly it's most of it is be, because I, I was starting by telling the stories why anybody would might have these opinions of me because I was intentionally trying to be ridiculous. I come from like a pro wrestling background. And I basically said, if this is the pro wrestling philosophy is if people love you or they hate you, they'll buy tickets to your show. Mm -hmm. If they're indifferent to you, you're invisible, you're undercard. Mm -hmm. So I, I, again, I never did anything bad to anybody, but I said, I'm going to go be as outrageous as possible. And I'm going to make, People either like me or not, but they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna notice me. Yeah. And it, so the, the phrase that comes to mind is "those who mind don't matter, and those who matter don't mind." And I think here's the deal: a lot of our live listeners, like right now, we've got about 300 in here. They're always supportive. The people I run into in person always supportive. Nick and me. Um, and then when Scott messages the Nick and Matt show and says. You guys are as professional as they come. If you stick it, stick with it, you'll become an absolute mainstay in the sport. That was not a public comment, everybody. That was Scott Stokely. I just, I just shared private messages. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the point Appreciate is, that. it's the private stuff. It's the in-person <laughs> contacts. That's what I'm trying to point out, Scott. You're right. It's the people who actually support what you're doing that actually are the voices you should care about the most. I, I believe that too. Yeah. And by the way, the reason I wrote it directly to you is because if I write it publicly, that I'm also it's self-serving. Yes. What God is. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not above that. I'm still promoting my brand. <laughs> oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. I a lot of people direct. Yes. Yeah. You know, I you yeah. say congratulations. I didn't post it. No, no, no. And I wanted, I was teetering on even sharing that, but I, I only saw that in a good way. I only saw that in a good way. And I'm, I'm being honest when we say we get messages quite often about people wanting to come on the show. Um, you just generally came on and just said, Hey, let's like, I, I like your show. Keep it up. That was the very first thing years ago. So like it's, it was good. I, people want to come on the show for all different reasons. We're trying to, you know, filter out what we can and can't do, but, uh, moving on from that really cool stuff that you're doing. Uh, we're excited to see you come back. Are you willing to stick around for just a little bit here? We play a game. It's very simple. It's called stat. Yes. Okay. Stat or fiction where, uh, Evan from stat Mando gives us a, we'll say a quote unquote stat. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We have to decide that. And each of us will take turns doing that. So let's go ahead and get, oh. all right, let's go ahead and get right into that then. Here we go. All right, everybody, stat or fiction presented by Stat Mando. Uh, I do this every week. I leave the points up from the previous episode. So let me get rid of those. <laughs> so there's no advantages. Okay, here we go. Stat Mando, Evan, go ahead and give us the first one. Oh, wait a second. Why did it mute you? 
There you go. Sorry. Am I, am I on? Yeah. All right. Um, so we all know Gannon Burr uh, won the Disc Golf Pro Tour Rookie of the Year for 2021. Uh, Gannon Burr had the best Disc Golf Pro Tour average place, total cash, average cash, and most top 10 finishes from all 2021 Disc Golf Pro Tour rookies in MPO. So that's for the 2021 Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite season. I should have specified that. Best average place, best total cash, best average cash, and most top 10 finishes from all rookies in MPO. Um, I'm going to go first, so that way Scott has the longest to think about this. And I'm going to say that that, I just based off a of feeling, I'm going to say it's stat. So, Nick, you're up. I mean, it's almost like I'd have to assume that's the case because he did win the, you know, rookie of the but year. But then why is Evan saying this? That's what I'm thinking. I, I know. That's that's why I'm like, all right, is it reverse psychology? But I, I'll just go stat. I mean, right. I, I could totally picture that. All right, Scott, you're up. So because I'm a competitor, I'm going to go stat because then no matter what the answer is, I'm still talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you could have a chance to move ahead too. All right. No, I'm gonna... he's, he's playing it safer right now. All right, Evan, go ahead and give it to us. All right. This is a stat. All right. I was hoping to mess you guys up because I included a lot in there. Uh, just one of them he could have been second in and it would have made it fiction, but no. Yeah. Uh, he had two top 10 finishes. Uh, no one else had two. There's a few with one. Uh, best average play uh, place in Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite with 21.25. Uh, most cash, 8177 And average cash averaged out to $1,022 per Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite event. And isn't he 16 years old? Is he 16? He's a young, he's young rookie of the year or rookie disc golf pro tour rookie of the year. Yeah. Pro tour. All right. So we all got a point there. All right. Going into stat or fiction. Number two, uh, again, doing disc golf pro tour, uh, elite events and standard elite events at that. So does not include the tour championship or match play. Um, page peers have the largest cash gain in 2021 compared to 2020 in FPO. Oh man. Uh, this is going to be Nick first. Uh, Nick Wait, largest cash gain were... from largest cash gain in FPO from 2020 to 2021. Or you're oh, saying oh, ever. Right. No, no, no. Like the difference between this year and last year in the disc yeah. golf pro tour All... elite standard season. Mm -hmm. Okay. She had I'm the go... largest difference, the largest gain ever. No, 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 no. Oh, just from that of year. Just this year of just 2021. Compared to 2020 and FPO. Okay, got it. Fiction. Nick, do you no? You don't want to elaborate yet. I'm going to let you elaborate in nope. a minute. Uh, Scott, what do you think? Uh, fiction for sure. Okay, and now that I'm having a second to process this, in FPO largest. No, yeah, I'm going fiction as well. Um, give it to us, Evan. This is a stat. What? Oh. She earned a lot more money this year compared to last year. Whoa. I mean, uh, I was thinking Missy Gannon. So, yeah, Missy Gannon earned $9,000 in 2021 compared to 2020. Paige Pierce earned $17,000 more. Prizes. Oh, hold on. You said no finale was in there. That's why I, I forgot. Yeah, about standard that. events. Okay, that's fine. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's not to say that Pierce should have been most improved. That's not what I'm getting at. But yeah, yeah, yeah. the most improved cash was Paige Pierce. Mm. Uh, payouts are going up a lot. Paige still had a fantastic season, even if people said it was a down year. Mm. All right. Well, we're still tied up, Scott. Your strategy's working. My strategy's working. <laughs> when Nick and I split, you're going to have to make a decision. 
Actually, you're first. You're you're going first this time. Go ahead, Evan. All right. Jumping over to the uh, most improved uh, in MPO ended up being Kyle Klein. Kyle Klein's most viewed round coverage on YouTube is from the final round of 2021 D-Glow. Kyle Klein's most viewed YouTube video of 2021 or ever. No, that- ever. His most viewed ever round coverage was from D-Glow in 2021. Okay. And, and don't so worry about year. front nine, back nine. Just right. consider just this it. Year. Right. Which event was Got it? Got it. Which event? Fiction for sure. Okay. Scott, it was cutting out just a second, but you said fiction. Scott said fiction. Um, I am. What would be higher than that? Am I missing something? <laughs> uh, what event would have been higher than that for Kyle Klein? Ooh, ooh. What was the event that got cut short? Did that video make it up? That was Ledgestone, right? Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say stat. I'm going stat. So we're splitting here, Scott. One of us is doing good. One of us is doing bad. (laughs) All right, Nick, you're up. I'm going to go fiction as well. (gasps) All right, Evan, give it to us. All right. This is fiction. Ah, All right. Um, I'll I'll say what event we have a tiebreaker though. Um, 2020 MVP open had more views. The final round um, oh, on Jomez. <laughs> there was an event. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good amount more than D-Glow of this year. Oh, man, I knew there was an event. Like in my head, I was like, what would be the other event? If I wasn't rushing myself, yes, that was a breakout event for him. That was his breakout event, if you will, lead car to MVP. Mm-hmm. Did you have a feeling about that, Scott? Or are you just like just generally rolling the dice? No, just the first two were, were facts. Uh-huh gaming the system <laughs> Playing we it. have we have had a week where it was stat 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 i think one time <laughs> and, um, and we've luckily, had fiction 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 yeah <laughs> the, so what's funny funny enough i actually didn't even think about mvp of 2020 i was thinking of idlewild when he won uh but i couldn't remember if jomez did the coverage for idlewild or if it was gk pro or gatekeeper one or the other right um but yeah 2020 jomez that makes sense at mvp we're tied up evan great Great tournament. You got something. All right. Uh, well, we're going to stick on that. How many views did his 2020 MVP open round coverage get? That would be from the front nine, which was okay. High. At MVP, the yeah. event we're talking about, how many views? Yeah. Views on YouTube did the front round of the final round get? To the closest, whatever. So just make your first guess. Uh, Nick would be first, I think. We'll go. So how many views totaled? <laughs> Uh, 730,000. Is this price is right style without going over? No, this okay. is just whoever's just closest. closest. All right, Scott, we keep it simple. But I was gonna bid one. <laughs> uh, you're saying 730? Yeah. And uh, but I'll go price is right backwards style and say 729,000. <laughs> I was just going to say that's how, and this is how Scott's played the whole game. It's perfect. Uh, Evan, who won? All right, Scott, that was clinical. You get it. Uh, Nick, you're away. You're a little too high. It was 433,000. Okay. I mean, I, I figured on first, I, I was going to guess 700. Okay. All right. So, so we yeah. run the ballpark. <laughs> I mean, that was very smart to do with the way you did that. <laughs> if you add the two together, though, which is not how the game was works. If you add the front nine and the back nine from the final round, it is seven hundred and sixty nine thousand. I don't know what you actually said, Matt. Uh, Nick. I said seven thirty. OK, huh? yeah. So you were pretty close if you add them together. Uh, but, close close yeah. on combined. 
All right. So, Scott won. Let's get out of this segment here. And I actually cleared out the points right now because every week this would be the first. I made it all year. I didn't do that. I just did it tonight. Okay. I will be good coming into next season. All right. Hey, hey, uh, Scott, is there anything we missed to talk about that you feel like is relevant that you'd like to talk about before we let you go? Uh, No, I just, I appreciate you guys, uh, everything you do. Um, The, 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 every, every, I mean, this is going to sound so cliche, but every cameraman, every, every spotter, every podcast person, every content provider, like, the sport today is where we dreamed it would be for 40 something years. And the, the amount of people that contributed, it's like, you're literally part of history right now. You guys, like you are part of this, you know, a lot of people that are making the sport what it is today. So I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's an honor and uh, uh, look for me next year. And by the way, just seeing, I'm just, let's skew this right now. I'll, I'll be, I'll be having plenty of tournaments where I'll be shooting above two thirty for the weekend. I promise. That is, not, that is not uh that is not the ceiling <laughs> that's I'm gonna, awesome the i'm gonna shock because i plan on doing well but i'm gonna shock a lot of people that's that's a promise so looking uh, forward I hope to you that. Guys follow me. yeah we yeah, definitely we're, will we're excited You're, for it we're definitely going to yeah. talk about you um if it makes sense in the storylines there we'll bring you on uh, but the honor was all ours you said the honor was yours the honor is ours for sure You've been around um, playing disc golf longer than I've been alive. Sorry to say it, but it's probably true. How long, how many years, if we had to put a year on it? Do you know? I played my first round in 1976 on a permanent disc golf course. So what is that? 50? 45 years. Okay. Yeah, I'm 36, almost 37. Break in the middle, um, which, by the way, I do think that's why my body's going to hold up a little bit more because I'm older, but I do have 13 years less wear and tear than some of the older players too. I, I took that into consideration, but yeah, I've uh, been around since, um, I mean, I played my first round in 76. Awesome. So it is a privilege to have you on. We've had some uh, founding members, if you will, on our show over the years, this is a special one for us. And I, I'm, I'm counting on the views, man. I, that was a hard sell, you know, like Simon's high. He texted me a little bit ago. I think either it was coincidental or he's listening to the show, but that's pretty awesome. Again, we're glad yeah. to have you on. We are going to follow you. We're going to talk about you. Uh, only good things. <laughs> All I right. think I appreciate it. All right, Thank man. You, Scott. Have appreciate a you good on. evening. Good night. All right, everybody. Uh, that was Scott Stokely. What an awesome interview. Uh, let's let's play the game now. Plus or minus 200,000 views on this video. <laughs> so... Uh, minus. Minus, <laughs> minus Paul Macbeth got us after worlds like half a million or more at this point, but that was good. Um, one thing that stood out to me and Nick, you're not here in studio, but if you look at this, I'm sitting across from Evan. And when Scott mm-hmm. Stokely said on a poor round, I expect to finish top 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evan looks at me and lifts his eyebrows and I look at him and I lift my eyebrows and I'm like, that's something like that's a, that's a clickbait title right there, like on my port. Like, that's good. Nowadays, Nick, how hard do you have to play to get top 50 in all seriousness? Like, I mean, I have to play. I mean, I got to think every single event. How many people average? Like, how many people were there? Hold on, let me go back into my PDG. Generally, really what, what are your finishing? Like, just throw numbers out, like how you normally would just. Finish. I mean, so I did 44th at GMC, okay. which I think there's usually 140 people at on average at pro tour events. Okay. And that's me averaging 
you know, decently above my rating at Worlds. I got 43rd, and that was out of 209. So I was in the top, you know, good percentage of that. Um, and that one I averaged, I think, 10, 15, 10, 16 throughout the weekend, or maybe just a little bit more. Um, so getting top top 50%, um, I have to play my rating or just above it for top 50%. Um, 40% is obviously cashing at events. So as long as I'm making cash, then, you know, I feel like I'm playing somewhat well. Normally I'm playing currently at the moment, if I cash at a an elite series event, I will have would have played above my rating. So, I mean, you can say that that is a positive thing. I may say that I could have played a lot better. I know there was two putts that last round at Worlds that if I hit those, then I shoot like a 1060 rated round, which would have been one of the hot rounds of the day, but it was two putts inside would've, of 30 feet. That, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> oh, there's it's, Scott's it's, smile. It's, I love that. It's, uh, <laughs> it's two putts inside of 30 feet that I bet you all 205 pros at that event could say we missed two putts inside of 30 feet too. Right. Like what I should have, could have, you know? So, um, but, yeah. but the point anyways, is Scott play, goes when play I play wise, poor. Though, Yeah. Play, play wise though. I mean, you do have to play well to be in the top. If I play bad, I shoot well outside the 50% currently. That's just my range well, of motion currently. So we'll I'll have rounds where, you know, I'll pop a 1040, but I'll also have a round where I pop a 970. So, I mean, it, it's hit or miss. Yeah. So we're going to see mm -hmm. if he places outside of top 50 is how he put it. He didn't even say 50%, but outside of top 50, that he must have had a horrendous round. Now, I'm just, I'm joking. If he was on here, I'd be saying the same things. Like, I'm rooting for him. Okay, what everybody came here for a topic tonight, uh, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. You wanted to hear our thoughts on um, how this Rookie of the Year nonsense played out. Disc Golf Pro Tour Rookie of the Year announced, was it yesterday? Five-time world champion, a five-time world champion, veteran of the sport, Juliana Corver wins the title rookie of the year the internet goes wild now could be a vocal minority it could be a lot of people i've seen a lot of different things evan from stat mando who sits quietly and patiently so much of our show by the way everyone you love stat mando you love evan let us know i know they do we're glad to have him here i'm giving him the floor just to air out it's what is this Festivus? The green, look at even look at the Stat Mando hat. It's got like this Christmas tree thing going on. We'll call it like the Festivus, which is Seinfeld's mm -hmm. airing of the grievances. So this is <laughs> this is Evan's turn to talk about what he's seen, what he feels about it. It's that whole topic, and then Nick and I will probably have some conclusions on it of our own. So. I don't from from how hyped I heard he is for this topic. I don't know if I'll be able to speak till nine o'clock. <laughs> we'll see. Nick just starts like closing up shop the I just yeah out. I just slowly, slowly start leaving be like you know what I text Matt be like you know what I'm gonna leave now it's you know it's getting kind of late all right without further ado though no really five-time world champion Evan talk to us about what you're thinking on that I have my feelings but I want to hear yours yeah uh so you said she's a five-time world champion right uh how many pro tour events did she play before this year do you know stat Mando will have to find One. that for us no zero uh okay. she played I, I zero was, pro tour events one. before this year uh, and with that, this is the Disc Golf Pro Tour Rookie of the Year. It's not the Disc Golf Rookie of the Year. It's not the Elite Series Rookie of the Year. It's not the PDGA Rookie of the Year. Uh, she would not have my vote in any of those. But this is the Disc Golf Pro Tour Rookie of the Year. She has played no Disc Golf Pro Tour events before this. So 
to me, I think she was by far the best player who uh, qualified to be a rookie. Uh, a lot of people associate the word rookie with young player. Uh, that's not true. It's rookies really just the newcomer. Uh, and if the, if the award was called the Disc Golf Pro Tour Newcomer of the Year, I, th- I don't think people would have a problem. I think it's people just associate the word rookie with young. And then she's like, what? She's 50 years old. She's dominated the sport in the past. Like, how does that make sense? Um, so what I want to do though, is, um, bring up some examples in other sports because in basketball or what I should say is in the NBA, it's not the basketball rookie of the year. It's the NBA rookie of the year In baseball. It's the MLB rookie of the year, not baseball rookie of the year. Um, this is the disc golf pro tour rookie of the year. So in 2001, uh, a man named of Ichiro Suzuki came over to the United States to play in major league baseball. I'll keep this quick. He was I'm one of my favorite slow. players, by the way. Uh, yeah, he's, he's awesome, dude. Uh, he played a, a long career in Japan uh, before that in the MPB. Um, it's the pro league in Japan. He was a seven time all-star. He was a three time MVP in his conference within that league. Uh, he was a seven-time Golden Glove. That's best fielder at his position. He was a seven-time best nine. That's essentially also being an all-star. Um, he was a, a two-time uh, Shoruki Award uh, who greatly contributed to the be- uh, development of ba- uh, professional baseball. And he was a seven-time league batting champion. This guy was highly decorated, decides to come over to the U.S. There are some reasons why he couldn't play earlier. Um, he... Leads the Mariners to 116 wins. This is tied for the most wins of all time in Major League Baseball. He wins the gold glove in Major League Baseball. He wins the silver slugger. He's an all-star. He's the AL batting champion. He's the best batting average of everyone in the American League. He has the most stolen bases, and he has 242 hits in total, which is the ninth best at that time and the best since 1930. What does this dude win? The rookie of the year because it was his first year in baseball. Uh, and then I'll quickly jump to Shohei Otani, did the same thing, five-time Japan uh, All-Star. He was the uh, professional, pretty much the professional sports player of the year in Japan before coming over. Uh, any sport, best player in Japan. Uh, comes over to the uh, U.S. and wins Rookie of the Year in his first year here. Um, uh, Jose Abreu defected from Cuba after, like, I think seven or, no, ten years in the Cuban Professional League. Uh, dominates Cuba, has won international tournaments with them. He wins rookie of the year in his first year while also being an all-star and a silver slugger. Um, You can even go to basketball cream Abdul Jabbar dominated college. Like no one else has ever dominated before as a freshman beats his own varsity team because freshmen weren't allowed to play varsity who were two time NCAA champions in a row. He comes in and as a freshman beats them and then goes on to win in a sophomore, junior, senior year, win the national championship every year, best college basketball player of all time goes number one pick. He's still the rookie of the year, even though he might have been the best basketball player in the world in college. Um, and last one I'm going to mention is Luka Doncic. Uh, he dominates uh, the European League. Um, he played three years pro for Real Madrid in Spain uh, in basketball, Real Madrid, not soccer. Uh, he was a EuroLeague champion. He was the EuroLeague MVP, and he was the EuroLeague Final Four MVP. He comes into the draft in the U.S. to play in the NBA. And what does he do in this first year in the NBA? What does he do? He wins rookie of the year. (laughs) My point being is it's nothing uh, new to the sport that someone who has dominated in other uh, competitions within the same sport to come into a new competition and then win it. 
And I'll even argue that the Disc Golf Pro Tour has grown so much since Juliana played. We, we released a stat earlier on Twitter today. Um, in all of her years in Elite Series events, so really just the National Tour, because she didn't play any Disc Golf Pro Tour events, before 2021, do you have any unique players she beat? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going the 20s. I don't know. Uh, I'm pulling it up real quick. 91. 91. Do you know how many unique players she beat in the 2021 Disc Golf Pro Tour season alone? It was a lot more than that. Uh, just, a, I mean, a little bit. 108. So 17 <laughs> more players she beat. In one season, in just in the one Disc season, Golf Pro though. Tour, compared to an yeah. entire career of Elite Series before this. It's like, to me, it's two different sports. She competed in, you know, an older era of disc golf, crushed it, was amazing, took time off. A new era came with the Disc Golf Pro Tour forming in 2016. And then she comes into it in the sixth season of the Pro Tour. It's not like she played the second season and just didn't play the first year when everyone was a rookie and then come in the second year as a rookie and dominate. No, like she had five seasons go by where this league or tour has greatly developed and just become super, super professional, super high level of disc golf and wins it. And you know who she won rookie of the year over? Uh, uh, that was, actually, that was a question I was going to have. Who would it have been? Somebody Macy? I don't know. Um, well, actually, I'm going to name who barely missed out on Amanda being Hano. it. I don't know. If this person did not play a silver series in 2020, they only played two elite series in 2020 and they played no disc golf pro tour events okay. before that. And they had mo more disc golf pro tour event, or sorry, season points this year than Juliana Corver. Own Scoggins. That was, I was brain freezing, but that's yes. I was just going that route. Yeah. And people would have complained about that too, because yeah. she doesn't seem young, but she had a crazy newcomer year to the pro tour season. And she just played one, one too many events in the season prior. Um, but what I was going to say is Kristen Tatar. She only played uh, two Disc Golf Pro Tour events before this year, and you have to play uh, less than three. She pl only played three events. Julian Corbett played nine. So had she toured the full if year? If Kristen Tatar was here the whole season, she would have won it with a landslide, landslide, like not even close to Gianna. Gianna had a great season, nowhere close to what Kristen did in three events. But so to that point, would people have been as upset? I think there would have been a mix. I think they. St I think people not as I many. I think they still would have been still pretty upset people would have been upset because Kristen's already really good and people when people hear rookie of the year they think like someone they haven't heard of before so that's to my question is okay if you're gonna ban juliana corver or people like juliana corver winning the rookie of the year because she's won a world title in the past what about europeans coming over who have never tested the north american uh disc golf tour yeah. silver lot was a rookie he uh, on the stat or fiction I did, he came up a ton really close to Gannon. I think Gannon was still clear away the rookie of the year, but Silver Lot was not far away. If he won, would people have been upset too? I don't know how old he is, but would people have? Like that—that's my thought. It's just it's a different tour, and that's all it means is that she didn't prove herself on this tour until this year, and she proved it really well and deserved it. People could argue for Ella Hansen, Macy Villa Diaz. Both of those players probably could have won it too if they played more. Uh, Ella Hansen only played the majority of the West Coast and then came over just for a few kind of the Midwest and Eastern events. Macy Villadiaz only played a few in the beginning and a few at the end, or even, I don't even think, I think it was like three total. If she played the whole season long, I think she could have won it too. So I don't think anyone else really 
deserved it either because they didn't play the full entire season. All right, you ready for my argument on everything you just said? Yeah, Nick. I, I don't actually have one because everything okay. you just said is perfectly fair. Here's the. <laughs> I here's, mean, I, ultimately, it comes down to literally the rules were wit- written the way that they were written, and the best player and the boundaries of those rules won. Simple as that. Okay, so I agree, but this is boring. No, people aren't bored. They liked what Evan just said. In fact, there's a lot of people coming in. Evan's on fire. Wow, great points. They're loving it. People are going to love this for the rest of the week listening to that. But for sake of conversation, and that's why we're here, half the time I say stuff is to keep the conversation going. So here we go. Do you think those other players who could have been in contention had Juliana not been her first pro tour season, if you will, do you think they're bothered? Do you think they're upset? And do you say sore luck? Like it is what it is. Um, is that your view that's, on it? That's what you say. You say, yeah, sorry, you say. sorry, JK yeah, is, she's been around. She's a world champion, but this is her first time playing. So sorry. Well, I think the way that Evan literally just described it, it's its own league. It wasn't the PDGA rookie of the year. Would it you was feel the disc golf pro? I understand tour, the that disc golf pro tour. But Nick, would you have felt disappointed if Paul Macbeth never played the pro tour and he came in the first year that you did your absolute best as a rookie player, like the way most people think of it, and he comes in and burns it up? You're like, well, dang! Like I worked really hard. I this was the season I was coming back, and then that got taken. You just say, oh, should, have well. been, should have been better. That, you wouldn't, that's, you that's wouldn't feel sad you, about it. You would just be like, oh, well, like Paul came and did it. Well, of course, lo- losing anything you're going to feel sad about. It doesn't matter what it is. Losing anything, at least to me as a competitor, losing anything I feels think, like crap. But in this situation, there was a specific yes. set of rules for this, whether you agree with them or not. Right. Because there are plenty of things in life that I do not agree with, but I have to follow those set of things. And I need to play to those yes. parameters. I guess I'm and trying so to bring up the point. Yeah. Technically speaking, I would be sad. I would be sad that I'd lost, but at the same time, it would be to someone who is far better than I am. And you can kind of look up to saying like, you know, Hey, now I know where I need to improve. Like for me personally, I accepted cash at a pro tournament literally because I just wanted to get some extra gas money and not ever thinking back then that disc golf was going to be something that I potentially wanted to do as like a full-time job. And so I will never, ever, ever get to compete legitimately for rookie of the year pro tour player of the year. Cause I think back in 2017, I had already played three pro tour events and I was like 940 rated. So I had no chance of doing any of these cool accolades that a lot of, a lot of other people mm-hmm. get to get to do now in the, the future generations, they actually get to do this now. I will never be able to do that, which is totally fine because now what I can look forward to is one day I want to win the world championships. One day I want to win player of the year. Those are things that I know I still have opportunities in my life to compete for those things. And I get to go for that. I mean, one year of not winning rookie of the year, look at all the players in the world who won rookie of the year, or excuse me, who did not win rookie of the year and are killing it in their respected sports right now. Look at players who have won am worlds in the past, which I never competed at am worlds, but I've not done a single, I have not won a single elite series event since then when it came to the pro scene. So what you win early on doesn't determine what you're going to win later on. I think that's the best way of explaining it. Like just because I didn't, or, you know, Ella Hansen didn't, or Macy Bella Diaz didn't, doesn't mean that they are not going to do and achieve incredible things. You know, right. one of those players could potentially be a six time world champion one day. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, 
are you going to be sad that you didn't win rookie of the year that one year? Come on. Like your sponsorship's not going to be like, Oh, if you had won rookie of the year that one year, we would have put your name on a disc. No, like, I no. The reason I'm bringing yeah. that up as again, I'm bringing this up because I should say, it you just like disclosure. to argue Matt. full disclosure. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I was gonna say full disclosure. I actually was going to yeah. do the rant, but Evan wanted to. <laughs> so like I'm on the same page with probably the majority of individuals out there, but I'm trying to offer the perspective of the other side. I think that's where some of this, and I know uprage or uproar is too big of a word. It's not really that, but there are some people that are frustrated. And I think those are usually the impasse, the people who are like, I'm feeling for that other individual. Like I'm feeling for them. And I think that's where it's coming from. I don't think it's that they're not getting the rules. They're not getting the definition. I think it's that they're like, it just doesn't seem right. Now that's a conversation I can have is yeah. how does this feel? Because even Scott and I, we teased it out there. Scott said, eh, I hope they change it. Like, I hope they change it because it looks foolish. Now, I don't know if I'm there either. Like I said, I'm really in line with like what Evan said. I don't think they have to. I don't think this is something that's going to happen again and again and again. And if it does, it goes to the definition of like, this is your first season playing. Meaning, let's take away her titles, but let's just say I get, I don't want to say me, uh, pick a player, imagine any player you want, plays from 10 years old um, up until they're, 35 years old and they're really good like they could beat paul they could beat lots of players they just don't tour but they waited until their 36 year old birthday to join and play are people going to be upset about that because it was their first year playing or is it because she has a history with the pdga i mean is it based yeah like, I don't, what is it I don't getting based it, off of i don't think any of it is an age discrepancy because i mean a 38 year old could get into the sport or let's say Mm -hmm. Let's say Brody Smith. Brody Smith is in his 30s. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how close he was. I don't know the whole points thing, but there was a potential chance like Brody had the ability to win the PDGA rookie of the year. I'm not saying he came anywhere close. I have no idea the points, but I'm saying a person who is in their 30s came, joined our sport, and technically had a chance to become the rookie of the year. Now, I don't think people would complain about his age. People are complaining the fact that Juliana has played the sport for so long. She's, you know, revered as one of the greatest women of all time, the quote in disc golf. So I think that's where people are finding the frustration. I don't think anyone is finding any frustration in her age. And if they are, I think that's completely. It's the perspective. It's the, I don't opinion. think it's the age. I think it's the perspective of longevity in the sport and now winning something. Yeah. And you, yeah, that's, that's part that's of age, the the length yeah. of time in a sport. But I don't think it's the age. Yeah, yeah I don't think it's the age. No, exactly. But so. again, I totally agree that she should not be the rookie of the year if it was elite series and major rookie of the year. If that's what we called it, <laughs> then yeah, of course she shouldn't make it because I mean, five world titles alone would disqualify her. Yeah. <laughs> plus, yeah. Excuse me. Plus all the national tours she played. Right. <laughs> but I will yeah, say, I think, um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, some eligible rookies for next year if the rules do not change, including Scott Stokely. Uh, I mean, you saw it probably on Twitter is like Ken Climo, uh, Avery Jenkins, Eric McCabe, Brian Schweberger. But Kyle Crabtree is also eligible. Uh, that kind of goes to the same idea. Like, would people be upset with him doing it? He has played um, one, uh, one disc golf pro tour event before. Um, did you mention Scott Withers in that group? Is that what you just did? Not, he's, not he's Scott Withers. No, Kyle Crabtree. Kyle Crabtree. Oh, did you say something about Withers earlier? No. no? I, said I feel like we said we something were talking, about him, but that had nothing we were, to do with that. Okay, sorry. We were talking about Withers pre-show. Yeah. 
I thought you not said about this though. No, no, no. we're literally just talking about oh, how right. well does he do. Sorry, zip. I'm done. Yeah, Matt, come on. Those are private conversations. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was that private. But uh, <laughs> Crabtree has played 30 national tours, so like, I feel like people would get upset at that too. So if people want to start an elite series and majors rookie of the year, which we could also do that at Stat Mando. I mean, we we ran a disc golf pro tour specific rookie of the year um, that we ran off of our own um, uh, calculations and not the points that they, uh, the disc golf pro tour does. Uh, we had the same exact, same exact uh, finishing. Um, oh my gosh. I was about to say Elaine King. That's not it, but that's kind of funny. Uh, Juliana Corver <laughs> and Gannon Burr both won our rookie of the years as well. Well, technically speaking, she did everything correct. Oh, nothing yeah. is wrong with how the pro tour set it all up. She is the winner and there's no disputing that um, you can have the opinion of whether you think she's, I think the rules are not well done. I think when it came to that, but at the same time, take out Juliana Corver and do we have anyone else in the sport who on the FPO side, this was my doing this, that right now. Yeah, This was my point because, earlier. I don't see this repeating, even, even if they change the rules. Even like if, Cause let, let's talk the MPO side really quick. Even if Ken Climo, Emac, Brian Schwebe, um, Kyle Crabtree, all these players say they are eligible. Avery Jenkins, if they are eligible to come out and do that next year, or let's say they did that this year, I still think Gannon takes it from them because I think Gannon is a better player than all of them. And that's just personally, I feel like stats could potentially back that up as well when it comes to how they all play nowadays relative to how Gannon plays nowadays. So Juliana Corver is probably the one person right now who could do that. Yeah. Other than that, no one else was no one else was in that same boat. Kristen didn't meet the qualifications for it. And yeah, I mean, technically it would have been though her rookie season. She could be the greatest European player ever to live, but if she's never played one of these pro tour events here, then the second she comes over into this league, cause it's completely different than the European tour. She's a rookie. And so it's like I, the rules aren't, to be honest, like the rules aren't even that bad. No, I think, I, that, actually, I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of a fluke situation. Of, oh, fluke. I think it's, I think to be honest, I think it's really cool, but at the same time, I get where it looks really, really bad. It's funny. Cause like, as we talk about it more, I'm like, look, everything was done. Correct. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Cause like, let's say next year, who has the opportunity to do that? Who, what great player right now has the opportunity to go and do that? Like, I think Juliana was one of the few players that could actually successfully pull that off. You know yeah, what I, mean? I agree. It's not going to happen again. If it does, I actually, yeah. So if it does, I don't, the, the rules didn't change, which is fine in my opinion, because I don't think they need to. One other mm -hmm. item of perspective is that the pro tour made this before they were aligned to not that it's a big difference, but like <clears throat> this was like the pro tours way of being like, Hey, we're something different. We're set apart. We are not the NT like, we are the disc golf pro tour and you can win rookie of the year on the disc golf pro tour. Like they are, they are now aligned as the league of the PDGA or the tour of the PDGA, but that wasn't the case. And so because of that, they wanted to separate themselves. They wanted to give out their own awards. And the reality is you're going to have lots of people who played PDGA events, but never played disc golf pro tours. Um, in fact, if they're giving away this award, this is an interesting thought. And Evan, I don't know if there's any way to find this out. If they were giving away this award in the first year of the Pro Tour, which did they in 2017? Well, 16 was the first year. <laughs> did they give away this award that year? Like, probably not. But it, there would have been somebody who's been playing for a long time. Who would that have been, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it would have been probably whoever was the first seed right. at that tour championship. Exactly. So it would have been weird then. And then again, Beth probably. Yeah, my point to why, like, I don't think it's bad is because in 2017, if Juliana Corver came out of retirement and played 2017, then it would be like, oh yeah, she's just not a rookie because she didn't compete with everyone else who was good at the time playing in 2016. So like that, that brings up a good point, and I that was in my brain to do at some point, but didn't get to do it. But to run it back for other years and and see who would be eligible and see who would we would we would get. Um, but I think bringing up the elite series is a fantastic point that the NTA and the Pro Tour are now joined was their wording. Right. Um, is if the Pro Tour kind of takes on the history of the National Tour, and if that happens at some point, like I I haven't heard anything. So as Stat Mando, we're considering them two different tours. But if they happen to say, hey, we're taking on the entire history of the national tour, those are now like in retrospect considered national tour events. I mean, you've seen it with other leagues like I believe the NFL cares about some like AFL rules when they merged. They're like, OK, we consider some of these these records or, or things like that. I don't know if it's true or not, but it could be that way. So if the pro tour is like, hey, if you have a national tour win or a pro tour win, it all counts the same. It's now just called a new pro tour win or we, I mean, we call them elite series wins. If they're doing it from that, from now on, then yeah, Juliana Corver isn't the rookie of the year if that was already the case, but that's not, that's not what the rules are. It's this tour. I, mm-hmm. we don't have to dive into it for long, but I did want to say, I think the one that people can argue about for as much as they want, because the whole point is entirely subjective is most improved player. Like I would personally argue. I don't think Kyle Klein would be my first choice. He was absolutely deserving um, and on the other side, uh, Missy Gannon, I don't think she was the most improved, um, but still, again, absolutely deserving. Both of those had incredible years, and it's just about kind of the tier you put most improved on. Are you saying they really got the most like difference better, which we ran some stats. Brody Smith and Leah Senegini had the best average round rating improvement, but for both of those players, I, I wouldn't put them as most improved because in my mind, most improved is you go from whatever to like competing, like not necessarily for the win, but like you're consistently getting top tens and both those players got a whole lot better and they could get a whole lot better next year and do that. But for this year, they weren't at that point, but it's clear without the voting process, win, it's pretty much like, okay, you have to win or at least get in the hunt a bunch of times to be eligible. Um, and so like my personal thought is like, Ben Benjamin Calloway, I thought could be it. Uh, Corey mm-hmm. Ellis, mm-hmm. Andrew Marweed, Gavin mm-hmm. Rathbun. But I don't think any of those guys were the caliber enough that the voting ended up being, but that's okay. Cause yeah. that one is completely subjective. Yeah. That's exactly like, you know, take a person who, you know, let's say 20, 2020, 29, cause 2020 still had some pro tour events. You take a player from 2020, he gets a hundredth at every single one of the events, but then in 2021, he gets 40th. Yeah. That's a huge jump. That's incredible. They're cashing out on pretty much every single one of them, but I'd rather, you know, most improved, like, yeah, I guess you would consider that most improved in a sense. Um, but then also seeing like a top 30 guy make it into the top 10 consistently, or like what Kyle did was probably top 15 guy take down an elite series win. you know, I don't think they're counting USCGC, but you have a player who goes and, you know, goes into a playoff at USCGC and then Missy Gannon, who just had an all around absolutely incredible year. I mean, look at the cash difference between 2020 and 2021 for her was insane. Um, so yeah, I think there's two different ways you can kind of look at it. Uh, it's tough. 
we've we've gone all around different sides of it. I think we've offered some good perspectives. Um, I tried to bring the other side. There, it's probably a vocal minority, but I wanted to at least give some perspective on to maybe the wise, because uh, I think we all agree the rules are the rules. But maybe some people didn't recognize that. Again, I think some people are being empathetic. I think there's a lot of that out there. So it happened. My a, lot, last- a, a, a lot of people are saying that there should be votes for this. Yeah, I saw that. Um, okay, I do like a voting committee. Yeah, I don't think any of this should be fan voted. Right. That's um, yeah. Reason I say that is that's complete. There's so much bias. Well, they do like Hall of in, Fame in stuff, the baseball and all that. And I think there's voting yeah, is, I, I think is decent. Certain, I think in certain areas, yeah. yeah, voting. Like I would love it. You know, if if you were to give me four players, who do I think most improved on the air? I would need to know what what is the criteria. Like, what am I looking for in their improvement? And then at the same time, like, who are those players that made it up onto that? And so then it's like, okay, now I have a specific set of things I need to look for. Now I can actually vote for that player. But then there's also a fan vote of like, who do you think is the most improved player? And then I could be like, oh, well, I think Kyle Klein did okay last year, but did incredible this year. And so he would be my most improved. Or do I look at it like, who is that guy who averaged a hundredth the year before? And that was in the forties. Like that's also a massive improvement just right then and there. So fan votes great for certain things. You would have to have a voting committee, literally people with no biasness. There's a specific set of rules you have to follow when you're looking at what is the rookie of the year or uh, most improved player of the year, which shout out to Kyle Klein and Missy Gannon, both winning that from the pro tour. I don't want to take anything away from them at all. Um, that's incredible, but yeah, I just think voting voting's good in certain scenarios. I will say I love the fan voting for the all-star third card. I think places like that yes. are great. Um, I yeah. don't want it to be a pure everyone who there everyone who's there is fan voting, but they get the the first card, second card, so eight people are there objectively. And then the last four, which eight to twelve is so like that's so up in the air anyways that I love that being fan voting. But I I agree. I think a a, a panel of you know, kind of journalists. I mean, a lot of sports use the Associated Press. Um, like that, I think is awesome. If there's a group of of disc golf media um, who who voted on it, who you know watch all this, and it's not just who they see on Instagram the most. Not that everyone who would be yeah. fan voting would be doing it that way, but that's kind of what turn on do. If it was all fan voting, I wouldn't be surprised if Brody won most improved. You know, like not anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Just he has mm-hmm. a ginormous fan base. Yeah. I mean, you can also look at it. Someone actually just made a great point in the chat. I mean, Adam Hammes went from, I don't think, winning a single Elite Series in 2020 to winning a couple Elite Series in 2021. So, I mean, that's that right there is a massive improvement. <laughs> I almost consider that more of an improvement yeah. than the player going from 100 somebody to 40 because commented, you're literally talking about... Yeah. Somebody commented James Conrad, zero worlds, one worlds. I mean, Zero worlds <laughs> to one worlds. I mean... So, yeah, uh, yeah, I know yeah. it's, it's tough. There, there's gotta be a legitimate way of doing things and you know, however the pro tour decides it is. I mean, you have to kind of go with it that year. All right, let's wrap so. this conversation up by finishing with this topic. It's not a topic. It's like, has anybody seen, has JK responded to this? Has she said, thank you. I'm appreciative. Has she demonstrated I, I embarrassment? Sh- what, what is her response? Does anybody know? I saw something and I can't find where I saw it, but I'm pretty sure she, you know, said, thank you. She was, you know, not expecting it. And then I think she said she found it humorous Hmm. that she could 
she could win something like this. But I can't remember where I found that interview. I don't know if it was on Twitter from the Pro Tour or if it was on Instagram. I I did want to try to look for that, but you have to believe. I mean, I've seen her a little bit. She's commentates. I've heard her on other podcasts. She seems to be a fairly humble person. That probably comes off as humorous. <laughs> I've been playing so long. I have a lot of achievements. Now I'm getting a rookie title, which is cool. But the thing is, it is humorous, but it's I, I find it objectively correct, but it is still funny. And that's yeah. okay. Like you can laugh about it. You'd be <laughs> yeah. like, wow, that, exactly. that's crazy. Exactly. But then you actually, like when you think about it and you compare it to other historical uh, times that things like this have happened, it makes perfect sense for what the award is. Okay. Uh, one of our chat members here, longtime listener, Chris Deerkin said that. Um, oh yeah. It's on, it's on Twitter being named DGPT rookie of the year is yet another full sucker moment for Juliana Corbett. So if you, if, if for anyone really wondering, if you go to Twitter, look up the disc golf pro tour one day ago, they actually have an interview with Juliana Corbett talking about her being named it. I'm not going to play it right now, right. but yes. All right. Awesome. Well, you shared generally there what her response was that that kind of brought this conversation full circle. Um, we've made it, Nick. I know we were trying to go <laughs> off season. We figure we're going to have the short shows. It doesn't happen, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't work. It, it, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, like I tried winding, winding, uh, winding this down like 40 yeah. minutes ago. Nope. All right. <clears throat> it's all good, though. We'll um, send it off, though. Which, let me just see real quick. Though. So people have some expectation because sometimes we have people chime in and they're like, no show. I think, unless you tell me otherwise, Nick, can we agree this on air? Like, are we having a show this Monday? Oh, what is? It's the 20th. the 20th. It's the right? week of Christmas, but it's the very beginning. So I'll say this. I'll be here in Virginia. <laughs> I'm not leaving this. for Massachusetts until the 23rd. If you are busy, though. Yeah. And you and Evan are both busy because I love having Evan on the show. I enjoy very much his company and all the things he gets to talk about. I think we're doing um, a show. If you guys we'll cannot update. make it work, yeah. then we won't do it. If we can make it work, we will do it. All right. So that's, um, that's, that's probably, a clear as mud, yeah. as they say. The week, the 27th, <laughs> you guys I'm going to say right now, let's not do a show the 27th. I, I'm going to, yeah, you know, cause we'll say it now. I'll be driving, I'll be driving back from Virginia or from Massachusetts that day. I don't want to have to. <laughs> You know, sorry. Well, what's funny is people are getting an <laughs> yeah. inside scoop to how the internal meetings at the Nick and Matt show go. Yeah. This is how they go. So this okay. is normally at end of the yeah. 20 next yeah, week. After. More than likely, folks, we are doing an episode. So uh, this we'll week figure coming, it out. Yes, let us know in the comments. Though. Okay. Yeah. Let us let, let us know in the comments who you uh, want us to have on. Maybe we'll try to get Juliana Corber on next week. Who knows? There's plenty of options. New rookie of the year, Juliana Corber. I'll let you line Matt. that up, Nick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have more connections. I, you we, have more connections. Yeah, when we were out in Utah, I said, hey, we got to get you on the show sometime. She said, I would absolutely love that. Oh, and I was like, well, then okay. make it happen. That, no, okay. that was a lot easier. So, uh, yeah, we have connections. So, anyways, thank you, everybody, for the, <laughs> you know, few hundred people that actually tuned in tonight watching live. Thousands. Scott Stokely, great segment. Awesome, awesome stuff. Go check out his book. Check out his social medias and everything. He is pretty much making a comeback onto the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Going to give it a go at the Elite Series events. He is saying that he will get 50% at least top 50% in all of them. So we're very curious to see that. But uh, once again, thank you everybody for tuning in tonight. Go ahead and hit that like button at the bottom of the screen. It's a little thumbs up. Leave a comment who you want on the show next week. If you're listening to us post audio, thank you very much for downloading it. Uh, we really appreciate Manscaped and the Foundation Podcast Network for allowing us to be a part of all of this. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. That's right, everybody. Nick, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Peace out. The Nick and Matt Show.
a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt show on your favorite podcast platforms or stream us live exclusively on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel.